Uh, forward movement training, the book, um, my career, which ties in pretty much with, with the creation of the book and all that stuff at the end of it. Um, that's that's going to be a lot, man. That's, that's a lot. Of yeah. All right, let's do this, man. All right, all right, all right, lead heads. We are back with a whole new year of the Talking Lead podcast, kicking off 2022. That's a lot of twos in there, 20s and twos. 2022 uh, with the Talking Lead podcast here. This episode, 420, I think it might be. We'll just call it episode one of 2022, which I don't normally do that. Uh, so welcome in. Hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas. Happy New Year. And looking forward to this new new year, as I am. And we're going to kick this show off with a badass dude that I just recently got introduced to through our good buddy, Brooksy. And uh, you all know who Brooksy is. He's been on the show several times. Don't know what company he's with now. He was with Buck Knives. <laughs> and then he was with Tor Knives. Uh, I think he's uh, – in between another one right now. So he's he's always bettering himself, which is what I like about Brooksy. He's a good dude. Uh, Andrew Cousins is joining us today. Andrew, welcome in. Hey, thanks. Happy New Year, buddy. Yeah, Happy New Year, man. And what part of the, the country are you in? I'm out in Boise, Idaho, if you can believe that. So. Okay, you're up there close to Brooksy then. <laughs> yeah, in the same town, actually. that's uh, I, I just got to know Brooksy and probably the last six months and we have so many people in common. I'm surprised I haven't met them before. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a big industry, but at the same time, it's a, you know, it's a very tight, close knit industry. Oh yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So I guess the weather out there, you guys are, are getting the, the winter wonderland going on. Yeah. I mean, every year we get snow right around Christmas every a little bit, but it's, it's more so than normal. And I'm thinking um, maybe this is what it's going to take to, get all the Californians to pack up and move I wish I wish somebody could come up with a formula for that to to, <laughs> to get them to to not migrate this direction uh, I, I've got a lot of friends from there believe it or not but uh, they always want to be the last one here when they show up so yeah yeah I get it if they would just stay there and and stand for more change yep. uh, instead of you know all that liberal bull crap absolutely stay there and fight the good fight but yet they exit and then wherever they go they try to make it just like what they left which is ridiculous that's, that's actually what i was going to nominate for your uh, segment oh okay well we'll save that put that in your pocket uh, yeah. because the jack wagon train is back again for another year lead heads uh, and we are celebrating our 10th year of talking lead december uh 2012 or is when we started so this past well actually it'll be this december will be our 10th year anniversary. So this whole year, we're going to be celebrating our 10th year anniversary here on the Talking Lead Podcast. So it's an honor to have you on to kick off the year 2022, Andrew. Andrew is an author. He's also a former special ops. Um, are you still current with them, or can you uh, say? Yes and no. Um, contract work? Office. Yeah, contract work. Got you, got you. And what branch were you initially – Serve so, it, served in. 
I wasn't um, necessarily. I came from a federal law enforcement background, um, was recruited for one of the agencies, and I say agency lightly because technically they don't like to be their name to be thrown out there so much. We all know who we're talking about. Uh, other government agency or OGAs, it's how it's commonly titled, right? The, yeah. The, the, the three-letter agency, you can't say, um, but I was recruited in 2008 um, after doing the 2002 Winter Olympics um, NSSC, which stands for National Security Special Events, which is a task force made up of a variety of special agencies for um, big, high-profile events, right, to protect those from uh, nefarious intent, uh, mostly terrorism. Um, I met some guys from that side of the house and um, got my top secret clearance uh, and started deploying with that program in, in 2008. So, so it's been a while. World, been, yeah. been doing that a while now. Yeah. And, and we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, your books. A Failed State was the one that kicked it off. Uh, you've got a degree in journalism, I understand. I do. Got your degree in uh, what? What college did you go to? University. Uh, I went to University of Arizona, which I'm sure some of your listeners know is is listed as one of the premier party schools in the country. So <laughs> I don't know what they think the value of that degree is, but uh, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> what What college has not been nominated at some point in time as the the party capital? True. Even here in my hometown, here not my hometown, but where I live now. Uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Middle Tennessee State University. At yep. some point in time, I've seen it like number one on the all-time party schools or <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Well, Tennessee, I can see, I can see, but um, any uh, any college like University of Arizona or ASU or USC with consistently good weather, right, where you're not stuck indoors, you um, yeah, you're motivated to have extra curricular curricular activities, I guess. So. That's true. And the thing about this one here, and I don't know if it's so much these days, but when I was there, it was considered a suitcase college. So, you know, you're here during a week and then people pack up and leave on the weekends. Huh. But it still made, you know, top party school back in those days. But yeah. that's, that's probably due to me and my gang <laughs> and, yeah. and my crew because we didn't pack up and go home. Sounds good. We stayed and rode it out on the weekends. Had a good time. Miss those days, the good old college days. I don't understand those people that want to rush through and get done in like three years, you know? Well, I was on the five-year plan minimum, I think. Yeah, I was four and a half. I took a I took an extra summer. <laughs> <laughs> Had to do a little makeup for uh, my freshman year, but I, I got caught up. Doubled up and caught yep. up, definitely. Uh, so, so we're going to talk about Andrew and his background, his books. Uh, like I said, a failed state was your first one. Uh, you've got a sequel to that that's out now. And then I think you got another one in, in the works that, um, we're going to talk about. Yep. Um, but before we do that, I know a lot of listeners are tuning in right now because Andrew, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but we just had a, an awesome holiday giveaway promotion that we were doing with uh, some of our friends of the show, IWI US, Jeremy Gresham over there, who is a sponsor of the AK Corner. Uh, it's a monthly show that we do that's specifically dedicated to the AK-47 and similar type uh, Eastern block weapons. Uh, really fun show. 
going into our fourth season this year with that. They put up a Galil Ace as nice. the top prize giveaway. And then we had several friends and sponsors of the show that wanted to join in on that and uh, do some accompanying prizes along with it. So we had Lockdown, uh, Ronell with Rock Lockdown, who was on the show a few episodes back, joined in and they threw in, I'm going to have to get my list here because I can't remember all the awesome prizes that everybody kicked in. Um, with Lockdown, they had the Hide a Shelf. You've seen that furniture where you can hide guns in your house and it just looks like normal furniture. They've got one that's called Hide a Shelf. And for our video uh, watchers here, I'm going to share my screen. And no, I haven't got more proficient uh, in this new year with my technology lead head. So you're still going to get the fumble bumble uh, lefty on the controls here. So, so here it is, as, as you can see here, is our holiday giveaway. Lockdown, they had the hottest shelf. They had a gun lock that goes into the trigger. It's like a little trigger lock. It's got a combo thing that you can put on your, your firearm. Uh, the puck, which is a cool little um, digital uh, Bluetooth device, security device that you can put in your safe, on your safe, around your safe. Um, ideally, you put it in your safe because it keeps control, keeps you tabs on your temperature, humidity, gives you warnings like if your temperature rises, the humidity gets too high in your in your safe. Uh, there's other cool features that it's got, but the the cool thing that I like about it is that it detects vibrations as well. So if somebody's trying to get into your safe. Uh, it'll send you a notice on your phone, a text message, an email, um, if you're away from your house, let you know that somebody might be trying to access your safe. Great for children, too, if you uh, want to deter your children from messing around with your safe. Uh, all kinds of other uses that we talked about on the show that you could do with this thing, but uh, that was included, and then also a pistol uh, shelf to go inside your safe uh, that you can store your pistols. So lockdown threw in a, a bunch of stuff. Enforce had one of their uh, weapon lights that they included uh, that you're going to be able to mount on that Galil Ace. Very cool. I've got one somewhere back here um, that I've been using. I really like it. Flatline Fiberco. They did a rifle sling and a dump pouch, which you'll appreciate. This Andrew is um, their pouch. They've done some innovations to it. So inside, they put like some pockets, some administrative pockets. So you can put pins or whatever, you know, extra, maybe mags or something like that inside the dump pouch. So they added to the functionality of their dump pouch. Flatline Fiberco, uh, awesome, awesome company there, Chad. Seal One, so to keep your Galil clean and lubed, and protected from the elements, protected from corrosion. Seal One CLP. Awesome products there from Dwight. He threw in a complete care package kit that includes gobs of stuff. There's a whole list of what all is included in that, but you've got like three different forms of the Seal One formula in that, maybe four, I don't know. You've got the cleaning brush, the pads, the pre-soaked pads, uh, bore pads, so... Awesome gift from Seal One. And then Mission First Tactical really stepped it up. And they did some custom magazines. Do you see those magazines there, Andrew? Yeah, nice. 
nice looking. So we did Holiday. ugly, ugly Christmas sweater is the <laughs> the theme on those. And what's really cool about their process is that that's ink injected in there. That's not like a wrap or anything that's gonna gonna scratch off. It's ink injected, and you're not seeing what I'm holding up right now because I got my share screen on. But I've got some with our logo on it. Um, those are gonna be cool. And then we did one that's got the American flag. And in honor of the Galil, the Israeli flag, um, on the other side of that. So five mags, a a holster of your choice. So whatever pistol that you're carrying, uh, you just let Dave know whoever the winner is, and he's going to get you whatever holster you want. Uh, and then they just started doing bags at Mission First Tactical. So they've got backpacks and bags, gun cases, uh, soft um, gun cases that they're they're doing there. And they included one of their cool uh, warrior bags as well. So I don't know what the total dollar value on this is. Uh, I don't really care. It's just all cool shit, you know, that we're giving one person. One person wins it all. And we had, I don't know how many, uh, over 100,000, 200,000 entries. I don't know. It was a, a whole bunch uh, of entries. And we had the opportunity for you to get 500 extra entries um, for listeners of the show and that code, cause everybody kept emails. What's the code? What's the code? I was like, well, you got to listen to the show. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You got to earn it. You got to earn those. And it was two a, just two a cap, a capital a with the, the number two. I called it capital two on the show when I announced it, but <laughs> I don't think numbers can be capitalized. Can they, is there lowercase and uppercase numbers? No, there is not. They teach you that in uh, journalism? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so that code was 2A. I'll tell it to you now because uh, it's over. The contest is over, and we do have a winner, and I'm going to announce that winner later in the show. <laughs> I'm getting cussed right now. All of us are like, you son of a... Just tell us. And I know you're going to fast forward to the end thinking that I'm going to announce it at the end, but it's not going to be at the end. It's going to be somewhere in the middle of the show. I'm going to announce the winner. Should I do that to him or should I just go ahead and announce who the winner is? No, let's, let's keep them hanging. I like it. Keep them hanging. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't want to piss him off too bad, but let's do this. Yeah. We'll do the jack wagon train and we'll think about it. Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot of loot, man. It's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. So big thanks to all the, the companies that took part in that giveaway, made it special. And you know I'm going to be doing other giveaways throughout the year, so there'll be other opportunities. We'll probably have some more guns. I mean, we did one earlier in the year where we gave away five guns um, last year. So always giving away stuff here, rewarding our listeners, uh, and that's thanks to the sponsors of the show, friends of the show. So make sure you go and support them and show them love and let them know how much you appreciate them making this show possible for you because at this point in time, I haven't, uh, you know, I don't charge for the show. It's free to our listeners. Uh, they don't pay a dime. Um, but I may be looking at doing some kind of like a Patreon or something like that this year and and reward those with extra discounts and things like that. So something we're looking into, Leadhead, so be paying attention. Uh, but, yeah, that's it. Let's, uh, let's get into the jack wagon train now. So, Gunny, bring that train in, and Andrew and I are going to haul off some jack wagons and honor some heroes.
Hey, uh, Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the talking lead jack wagon of the week, so brace yourself, baby. All right, so train has stationed. And, Andrew, I'm going to give you the honors of starting us off with who your jack wagon is. <laughs> well, we talked about the winter weather coming into Boise, um, which is – little bit unseasonably high this time of year uh but i think by and large the problem that i have is with a group and that is unfortunately with all the moving people the moving that's been done here from california is california drivers <laughs> they don't know how to drive in snow um you know you get your northern california folks that know what they're doing but a lot of southern california folks will throw on the hazard lights on the highway yeah and do 20 miles an hour in whatever you know foreign car they decided to come here with and as oh you know gosh. there's not many people that are idaho natives or um you know grew up here that don't have a truck because they know what the weather can can switch on a dime oh yeah so getting stuck behind somebody in a lane uh driving 20 miles an hour on a you know 65 mile, mile an hour highway that you know pushes through town um is an experience and unfortunately a lot of expletives leave the mouth well you guys uh, you know like you said, it's not your first rodeo with winter and uh, your, you know, your officials, your city road commissioner, whatever you guys call them up there, I'm sure that they, you know, break out the salt trucks and the scrapers and all that, and they're actually taking care of the, the road systems too. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that plays a big part. I don't know if you saw on the news Virginia up in Virginia. Oh yeah. Did you yeah. did you see that fiasco where a thousand over a thousand cars uh, backed up for like. Uh, a day or so i mean it, said yeah. it was like yeah. dozens and dozens of hours so i don't know how many days that adds up to but uh, a lot of teslas man that just did not make the cut <laughs> the batteries but cars with gas were running out of gas yep. uh you know people were were hungry running out of food didn't have anything to eat no warmth because when your car's dead then you got no heat you know yep. what are you supposed to do but um they didn't break out the the uh, the salt trucks, and they're br they're blaming it on the new governor, who's an intern. What is it called? Interim? When he's just now coming in, he's not actually governor yet. Yeah. The other guy is still the governor, and he didn't do anything about it. So that's my jack wagon right there. <laughs> hey, man, our, jack, our jack wagons match up though, because um, it, although yours. Um, might be the ones responsible for the roads. Mine are the ones that are on the road. On the road, yeah. Well, and that's the yeah. thing, too. Um, you can't rely on the government. You know, you got to do some things for yourself. You can't always, well, they're, they're you know, they're going to go out and fix the roads. I don't have anything to worry about. You know, obviously, you see, that's not always the case because political agendas come into play. And uh, who does that affect? doesn't affect them. It affects us. Absolutely. You know, and we can complain about it like we're doing right now. Yeah. Oh, we're just pointing it out. We're not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> we're just pointing out, you know, jack wagons. You know, these people are jack wagons. And, yes, sir. And, you know, we were talking about this also where, you know, the, the Californians that are moving out, you know, the mass exodus that's been gone, going on there in, in New York as well, uh, where they're coming to, you know, all these ideal locations like Tennessee, like Idaho, like Montana, and, you know, they, they come there because they see that it's a better way of life. And, you know, the, the great things that we're enjoying 
in our state because, you know, we fought for years to get them to this level, but yet they come in here, they want to enjoy it, but then at the same time, they still want to vote and have those beliefs that they had when they were in, you know, these communist states, communist counties, communist cities. Uh, And then they try to change it again and make it just like what they were trying to escape from. Yeah. It's, it's just mind blowing. You know, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, well, we'll get into this some more because we just trained McCall Police Department, which I said like earlier in our conversation is a mountain town, um, central Idaho mountain town that, um, you know, ski town and all kinds of amenities. Uh, it blows up to, you know, 50, 60,000 in population over the summer when everybody wants to get away from the heat down here in the valley. And uh, they um, they get more calls nowadays by people seeing somebody care open carrying in the grocery store. You know, really? All the Californians that are vacationing up there might be, you know, having a, a weekend at the ski resort and they are just like, yeah, so, you know, yeah, yeah it's legal. Because that's not, yeah. It's not <laughs> something you see in the state of California. So I don't know, man. Well, speaking of uh, the state of California, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to a hero. And all you listeners, I'm sure you're aware, and some of you may not be, but uh, in states like New York, and I don't know if they've done this in California, but I'm sure they have, but you've seen and heard about these waves of groups of people that are going and just robbing stores. They're just breaking in, and they go in and just mass, you know, rob a store. I mean, basically, that's what they're robbing them. They're stealing but it's because the states have made it known that they're not going to prosecute people only up to a certain dollar amount. And I don't know what it is, but, you know, before it used to be, what, $500 used to be a felony? If you stole something over 500 bucks, then it's a felony. Uh, laws may change or be different in other states. Check your lo- local laws, but... I think they like upped it to 5000 or something. I don't know. They're just not going to bother prosecuting anybody. And if they bring them in, get them arrested, then they're just releasing them and back into society. And what are they doing? Then they're going and robbing another store. But um, this one business owner in California, uh, it says, Legally armed citizen thwarts California smash and grab. And that's what they're calling smash and grabs. Uh, attempted robbery. Uh, it says, illegally armed Southern California jewelry store owner thwarted an attempt, attempted smash and grab robbery by four men. And they're coming in in groups of people. You know, it's not just one person doing this. It's usually a mob of thieves that are coming in and just overwhelming a place. Uh, which gets me on another thing about our jack wagons, the magazine capacity. But we'll talk about that. Uh, four suspects entered a jewelry store in Upland last Thursday, just after 2.30 p.m., and deployed bear spray on everyone inside. That's cruel. <laughs> bear spray is no joke. Uh, after the owner brandished a legally possessed firearm, the suspects took off in a gateway, a getaway vehicle uh, waiting outside. No one in the business was seriously injured. So he didn't, he didn't. He just brandished it. So I guess he just waved it and, you know, threatened to shoot him. And kudos to him for not actually pulling the trigger and, you know, blowing these douchebags away. A little self restraint. But 
but that goes to show you that just a, just a little show of resistance, you know, that you're not going to take it, what it will do to get rid of these people because they're cowards. They don't want a confrontation. You yeah. know, they, they don't want to be met with any resistance whatsoever. And the laws that have been, you know, passing and the lackadaisical enforcement of the existing laws is what's really emboldened these these criminals to do this. And they know. It's like, hey, I'm not going to get prosecuted for this. I can go in. I don't even need a gun. I don't need a weapon. Because that, then that definitely would be a felony, you know. So they're going in with bear spray and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Um, oh, it's effort. You don't need to, you know, all this effort you shouldn't have to put in defending your business, you know. Yeah, Ridic- exactly. Ridiculous. Well, and that and, you know, the police department's not going to bother with it either because they know they can't, it's useless for them to go in and and arrest these people. Yep. Useless paperwork. It's just useless, useless paperwork. It it all goes back to that when they started defunding the police, you know, just really, uh, what's the word I want to use as far as the police and their authority and their presence? Uh, You know, it just, it just really depleted that. So uh, I don't see a name here or anything like that, but uh, the suspects have been identified, probably, you know, lifetime criminals. Uh, The four were booked into West Valley Detention Center on various felony charges. So they probably got them on something else other than that. Oh, they probably had outstanding warrants, I would imagine. Yeah, more than likely. Um, but there you go. So there's our hero is that business owner there in uh, California, which there's no telling what he had to go through to get the, uh, the license for the firearm. Probably the only reason is because he's a business owner, a jewelry store business owner, which, you know, those are high risk, um, robbery targets. So what about you? You got any heroes? I do, man. I, um, I'm good friends with, um, Anna Polina Luna, who is a congressional candidate, uh, didn't win the first time around, but is up for um, another election in Florida. And she holds all the ideals that I think uh, we both value um, in high regard. And Anna Polina Luna is really just her, her husband is a great guy. His name is Andy. He's an active duty Air Force uh, CCT. Um, I can't remember which uh, special tactics squadron he's with, but, uh, just a great couple and, and someone I certainly hope hopes get elected based on their values and really wants to just keep Florida, you know, firmly entrenched in, yep. in the, uh, values that it currently is, is th- that are being propagated by the governor, uh, down there and, um, you know, keeping that state, uh, obviously one of, of, uh, high destination, one of the only States obviously that stands up for the rights of folks that want to have body autonomy, don't want to have to necessarily worry about getting forced vaccinated and certainly don't need passports, uh, or any kind of proof of vaccination to enter any of the great businesses down there. And, in uh, Florida proper. So yeah. my family and I will be going down there as well, man, this, uh, this spring and enjoying the weather and, and just having a great time, but yeah. she's a veteran as well. She's an air force veteran. So just a great, great individual, man. Anna Paulina Luna. That's a, 
That's a catchy name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's Latino. So uh, a lot of age. You know, she, she's got her finger on the pulse of, uh, of what everybody is, um, uh, is needing down there, especially with, you know, so many of the immigrants coming in, um, you know, legally, obviously from Cuba and some of the other destinations. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good gal. Did you see where the Marjorie Taylor Greene was banned, like permanently yes. from Twitter? Yes. Did she? <laughs> it's well, so it's, ridiculous. It was, just a, it was just a link, right? Didn't she just? Didn't she just put a link up? It wasn't. She just stated facts. She just stated facts. Yeah. yeah. That was it. And and again, and whether they're facts or it's her opinion, you know, I don't. Uh, it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, it's obvious what these social media companies are doing. I mean, they are squelching speech, freedom of speech, opposition. They don't want to hear it. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Yep. Unbelievable. It, it's unbelievable that's happening in this country. I mean, it is, but it's been, it's been going on for years now. And yeah. And, and I think what happens internally in the U S in certain States gets overshadowed because, uh, countries like Canada, go way overboard and they're doing it again for Omicron. You know, they're cracking down, um, going into full lockdown schools, businesses, um, you know, just keeping people at home. I think that's, we went to the news now too. And, you know, Omicron's got really mild symptoms. Yeah. It's even less. I mean, the, the original Corona COVID, whatever they call it again, very small percentage of people that it, was detrimental to. Yeah. This one's even less potent than that one, but maybe it's more uh, contagious. I don't know, but it's less potent, but yet they're, they're making, they're making it doubly as worse uh, just because people are testing positive for it. I mean, it's like, you know, I tested positive for a cold because it's winter. People die from codes too, but they're going to call a cold COVID. Now they're going to call it, the Omicron or whatever. Of course they are, man. Cause because they changed the definition of what a cold is, what pneumonia is. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get another variant, I'm sure, after this, and it's just going to keep perpetuating. So yeah. I don't know how long people expect. They were losing control, so they had to come up with something else to keep the control. Yeah. And people are yeah. buying into it. People Agreed. are buying into it, left and right. It's ridiculous. My, uh, my girlfriend, she's in the entertainment industry, and... We went, I was going to say, we went to New Mexico for Christmas, over Christmas uh, vacation. And we had everything planned before this, but they reinstated the the mask mandates there. Or otherwise, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone if we didn't have everything already booked and, and whatnot. Right. And, um, and anything indoors that, you know, they were requiring that you wear a mask. If you go into a shop, if you go into a restaurant, but what's ridiculous is you go into a restaurant, you wear it when you first come in, and once you sit down at the table, you can take it off, and you can, you know, you eat, and if you get up and leave, they want you to put it back on. <laughs> it's, I was like, I've been sitting here breathing this air for an hour now, uh, and now I got to. It's just, it's knee jerk reactions. It's, it's just, it's something that you know we're doing something. We're trying you know, to, to stop this when it, it does well, nothing. It's very ineffective. 
I don't think it's going away anytime soon, man. You know, when you have that much no, it's control. proof in the pudding, man, where they're reinstating all this crap again, where we thought we had it under control and everybody was de-escalating the situation. And you thought everybody was like, okay, well, this, this isn't as bad as they're making it out to be. But anything, you know, they just, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand a lot of people's mentality. Drama's just got to be happening constantly, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Our country is a bunch of drama queens. That's why we're going to Florida, man. This this spring, um, we're going to Florida because they're you know they're doing it right. Although, so are you permanently moving to Florida? Not as a vacation. This is this is a permanent no, move. Just going out there, just going. We've been. My, my I've got a, uh, a former military working dog, um, and he uh, was trained by a really good buddy of mine, former ranger dog handler uh, with Third Battalion, named Eric Innes, who owns uh, Coastline Canine. So when we go back down there, I'll go uh, for the first couple of days to Coastline in Naples and train uh, Dexter, who's actually a pretty famous dog. He's um, He was kind of the headliner at the Special Operations Forces Industry Conference in Tampa oh, okay. in 2019. Yeah, he, he was debuting all the latest gear, the helmet by Canine Helm, the Mohawk camera on it, and, and all the latest gear for Are you a dog companies. handler? Uh, you can't well, handle. <laughs> okay, I, I am now, man. I, I have to be. I mean, those dogs require so much, you know, hands-on and attention because of you know they're, you know, they're just high-strung and and always wanting to work. So you got to be on it. If you're lackadaisical, you know, they'll go tear yeah. some other neighborhood dog up or something like that. Oh yeah, not, you're not using relevant commands. What's that? I said, oh yeah, they're yeah, and uh, and I, we go down they're there. Not to be taken lightly. Yeah. And we uh, we let Dexter um, uh, have a couple of days with us and a handler, and then he we usually leave him to board and train with Eric and some of his professional staff down there at Coastline. So um, yeah, and then we usually go down, you know, diving or fishing or in the Keys or which breed is Dexter? What's that? Which breed? He's a Dutch Shepherd, and I would say most every uh, dog from that genre is going to be either. Uh, a German Shepherd, which I, I know are kind of being phased out in favor of both the Belgian Malinois and the Dutch Shepherd, which is essentially the same breed, different color scheme. Uh, the Dutch Shepherds generally are like a brindle, like a dark yeah. color with gold, fine gold hair in there and um, the same, kind of the same attributes. Yeah. So, yeah. We've got a friend of the show, um, Joseph Garcia, senior team leader Joseph Garcia, who's with um, – it's U.S. Seasog is what it used to be. I can't ever remember what the new name of the thing is, but they deal with the correctional uh, facilities and you know riots yep. and things like that. And he does them all over the world. Do you know Joseph? You met him? I've, I've heard his name Joe, before for sure. Joe I think Garcia. I've seen his photo. Yeah. yeah, they use the giant schnauzers. Oh, do they really? Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty awesome dogs. But, uh, I'll have to introduce you guys. Yeah, do that, man. I, I yeah. love them, man. I mean, like I said, I didn't. We had dog handlers when I was in um, that would, you know, do a lot of bomb detection and bite work. And um, I always respected those guys. I just didn't know how hard they had to work because oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to pay attention to what these dogs are doing at all times, you know? Oh, yeah. Dogs my kids, be dogs. My kid, yeah. My <laughs> kids have softened him up, but he's, he's, man, he's still, he's still a working dog. So, yeah. Well, very cool. So uh, I don't know what we were talking about, but 
That's what we, what we do about. on this show. We we chase squirrels. We go on yeah. tangents. Yeah, that's, that's. I think we were talking about. Uh, new, you were talking about New Mexico. Florida's not doing that. In fact, Naples, where we're going to drop Dexter off with Coastline, is uh, famous and had been in the news even during the height of COVID for no yeah. masks. Well, you know, Tennessee is that way also, except yeah. for Nashville, yeah. because yeah, they have a liberal they have a liberal mayor in uh, in, in Nashville. And I'm sure the mass mandates are probably going on in now. I just haven't been, so I don't know. But I know around here in the town I live in, which is just outside of Nashville, you know, it's it's there's no mass mandate. You can walk around like a, a normal human being and interact yeah. and engage with people in restaurants and stores and uh, you know, not not be a, a puppet. Now that being said, Disney World was still doing the mask mandates, and oh, we were getting course. yelled at for dropping it below the nose. They didn't like that when we were there. I was there with my kids uh, last spring. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, <laughs> you know, that's the thing on airlines too. Um, yeah, and yeah. they're hit or miss. It just depends on if you've got a you know a liberal flight crew or you know a more conservative. And I noticed that on the flights out there and the flights back whether they would chastise me for not, because I wouldn't wear my mask. I would not put my mask on unless somebody of um, uh, power or whatever, you know, that was in charge actually came and told me to, to do it. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. And there were a few, some other people that, that did that too. But the whole flight, I think there was just one flight where there was a, a Mac, a mask Nazi on the flight. And, you know, she was just constant on people about, Get that over your thing and take a oh, bite, put your mask back they, on, take a drink, put your mask back on. Yeah, like they don't have enough to do already, you know? Jeez. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just people who in in real life have no power, and this is their one chance to exert a little uh, Nazism. <laughs> yeah. A little yeah, Gestapoism. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Until people just say no, they're going to keep doing it. Uh it's just, it's ridiculous, but for the most yeah. part, I even went into one store, and I didn't wear my mask, and the store owner praised me for not doing it, and took theirs off too, and just said, "I I just fucking hate this, you know, this mandate. It's ridiculous." And it was a it was like a chocolate store, a candy store, and uh, she took it off, and then all the other people that had them on saw her take it off, and then they took theirs off, and and then she just made a big announcement. She said, "Hey." You're, you know, it's a, a statement. I guess they have to say it or something. You know, it's a state mandate to wear your mask. And then she took it off, and then everybody else took theirs off. They're like, <laughs> I don't know, Lefty. At this rate, you're going to be a hero for that on uh, Talking Lead. So no, I mean that's that's the majority of our listeners. You know, we're <laughs> preaching to the choir here. Yeah. But you got it. You know, you got to back up your actions and your beliefs. You know, you, you can't just talk it and and not do it. You have to actually do it. And you know, I do. So. Uh, I just wish more people would do it, and then we would have less of this nonsense going on. On that note, we um, were prepping the week after next to head to SHOT Show in Las Vegas. Oh. It, was, it was canceled last year, um, and I'm going, obviously, on behalf of my company. Yeah, uh, for, I'm for, surprised for, it hasn't canceled this year. Well, they, they sent out, they just sent out notice uh, through the email that, hey, we are requiring masks in all venues, the Venetian, and now they have added a kind of a walkway across to um, Caesar's. Caesar's Palace. Yeah, they expanded, yeah. Of, of all things. 
So uh, that being said, I was like, oh, I was really dismayed to hear that because, you know, last thing you want to do is wear a mask eight hours a day. I'm not going. In a row. I'm not going. I'm like, I'm not feeding the fire, you know, screw them. Yeah, I, I got to do it, man. I got to do it. I got, I'm up to like 15 meetings over there relevant to the business and um, the book. And obviously Dexter's wearing all kinds of flashy new gear for that. Uh, that trip over there. I just see it being not. a shit show uh, because the majority of the people that go to that, you know, have the same beliefs, and well, it's going to be a constant battle between uh, the people enforcing it and the people not wearing their mask at that at that thing. Yeah, I think Here, I'll it. it's going to be it. a field day for the for the news media. Um, yeah, but I mean, unless something changes, I'm not planning. I'm not going as um, to set up the show and do the show. Definitely not. I mean, if I go, I might go just to to see the shit show that ensues. But well, you better look me up. I just sent you a photo to your email of Dexter uh, featured. I think that was featured actually at Sophic. I don't think that was at um, Shot Show, but he will be at Shot Show in similar kit. So he's got all his high tech canine stuff on there if you uh yeah let me share my screen here for those that are watching on the the video boom there he is there he is man all decked out so he'll be doing it in black this year he's got black multicam vest by uh service canine uh the helmet will be black by canine helm and then he'll have the mohawk camera and all that good stuff on him we'll be walking around shot show making our booth visits so you need to do one it's like red white and blue america you know that would be awesome so i so that being said one of your guests uh from uh shows prior jack carr uh in 2019 we did um kind of a canine demonstration for rescue 22 which is actually attached uh in in semblance to uh to coastline canine because one of the founders started um Coastline Canine is one of the founders of Rescue 22, but they did a canine demonstration at, um, oh, what booth was it? I think it was, uh, can't remember what booth it was, but Jack Carr was there. Yeah. They suited Jack Carr up in a bite suit and let one of the dogs have at him. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure happy. he ate that up. I'm sure he enjoyed that. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, American, American uh, Eagle Industries was the booth we were at. Eagle Imports yeah. or Eagle Industries? Eagle Industries, yeah. Okay. Because they make they make uh, canine vests as well as a host of other you know, I hard you. goods. And uh, cool. Yeah, they uh, we got good footage of it. Chuck Liddell was there for that. Um, Chuck is 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 a, at all the events, all the gun events these yep. days. Um, yeah. He's at Shot Show. He's at NRA when they have it. I guess um, he was at this one in Georgia that I was at um, earlier last year. Um, in, uh, it, it was down in Georgia. I can't remember the town, but it was the big daddy unlimited, uh, shoot huh? that they had yep. down there. He was, he was there. Um, <laughs> haven't had him on the show yet, but I've, I've talked to him several times at, at the event. He was actually in a, one morning we were riding to the range and he was in our van that we were, uh, riding over there in just, yeah, man. just a normal dude, man. He's a good dude. I mean, you can tell he's a little punch drunk, but he's taken <laughs> some hits over the years. 
<laughs> yeah, it was a great one, man. It got a lot of attention, so everybody lined up to see the dogs go. Eat up Jack Carr? That's funny. Yes. Looking yeah, forward to his it. his uh, TV thing that's coming out, you know, with um, uh, Chris, what's his name? Chris uh, Pratt. Pratt. Yeah, Chris Pratt. Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> oh, he's a big, he's a, Jack's a big deal now, man. I used to. He is. I'm humbled yeah, when to, he responds to my messages, so I, you know, I feel yeah, I feel fortunate, <laughs> very fortunate to have him on the show too, because he is a busy man. It's you know, it's tough for him. He's got his own podcast and you know everything. So yes, but that you know yeah. that's due to a good book that he wrote. And speaking of, let's let's kind of transition into that. We want to talk about yeah. we want to talk about your gun, your book, uh, a failed state. And let's kind of talk about how first give everybody a little bit of background about yourself. And we we did it yeah, earlier, man, so, but how you got into writing? Yeah, so I um, and, and it's it's can be considered a sad story, but I was uh, on my twenty first deployment for OGA. Um, my um, a lot of guys that I deployed with were you know former SOF guys. Um, a lot of guys that had been in service and you know, fighting for their country for a long time. Uh, and unfortunately with that comes a myriad of, um, family and, and marital issues. Uh, and you're reminded of that quite a bit. Um, my wife, notwithstanding, um, suffered from depression and, uh, alcoholism. And unfortunately, um, between my 21st and 22nd deployment, uh, she passed away. So, um, dealing with that, um, I had to become the sole parent of three little kids at the time, uh, separate obviously from my unit, at least for, for the time being. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that I coped with it and I felt was best at coping with it was to write. And I decided to do that through advice of a couple of guys that um, were Navy veterans, uh, was to write an autobiography. And I didn't even have an intention of publishing that thing, man. I, uh, I just wrote it to really self heal. So after, uh, after writing that, um, I decided that I could help a lot of people that might be in my shoes, uh, lessons learned type stuff, right, by publishing it. And when I did, I had to submit a copy of it to a publications review board for my agency. And they, and I wish I had a copy of that here, they redacted so much of it. It looked like black marks. Yeah. You know, every page. I've heard that from, from Jack. You know, he, yep. he talked about that, Clint, Clint Emerson. Talked about that. Um, uh, several other people that I've had on the show too. I mean, that that's just that's what they do because they don't want you getting that that information out there, even right. though like ninety eight percent of it is public record anyway. Yep, you got that right. And, yeah. and Jack actually had to deal with the DOD, which was worse than you know <sighs> than, than my organization. Uh, believe it or not, which is hard to believe, but I. Um, yeah, I was I was having a hard time with that at first, but uh, and they seem you know, to be tougher on the autobiographies than they do the oh yeah oh yeah big you know, time. The Noisy Day is a good example of that right where he pushed that book out about his lifestyle and and some of the tribulations that he went through and without even you know pushing it through the DOD and they were they were really upset and I don't know what transpired around that I would imagine there's probably some you know, wrist slapping going on there. But, um, I, I decided just to write fiction because I could, I could easily change names, slightly change locations, events, 
And I could actually have some pretty good creative autonomy, right? Because now I could write instead of one character's uh, viewpoints and everything, I could I could kind of combine several people into one character. Because like I said, a lot of these guys are having problems downrange with custody battles for children and yeah. you know holding their marriages together. And I could write about that, not in a direct way, but almost in a conversational way between the characters and you know, how do we deal with this? And this is the bullshit I got going on at home. Or you can even bring it internal, yeah. right? And have these characters think about it internally. So when I presented that manuscript to the Publications Review Board, they greenlighted it. You know, they had a couple of redactions uh, here and there, but by and large, they greenlighted it. So I launched it right before SHOT Show in 2018. And that's when Rogan, uh, it was mentioned on Joe Rogan because uh, a buddy of mine, who is a former case officer, uh, you know, clandestine operations officer for the same organization, uh, went on his show and just happened to bring the book with him and mentioned it. So who was got, it? What was his name? Uh, his name was uh, Mike Baker. That's it, Mike, Mike Baker. Yeah. No, he's he's uh, he's a big deal now. Um, he's been on a couple of times, hasn't he? On Joe yeah, Rogan. I think so. And he's he's got his own show now, uh, talking about uh, like. Alien technology and, and all yeah, that. yeah, I yeah. love it when when they talk about that kind of stuff on yeah. on Rogan's show. That's when I really get into Rogan's show. I I don't really care about any of that the comedians and shit that he has has on. I don't really care about that stuff. But when he gets into conspiracy theories and aliens and and all that, I really. Mike, so Mike mentioned the book uh, on the show, and holy cow, the sales were off to the races right before Shot Show 2018. Oh wow! And I was scheduled to do a book signing for. Um, uh, in, in front of the Everly stock booth. Uh-huh. And, um, and I, man, I was just inundated, you know, I got a lot more attention that shot show with that book than I did for relapse the following year, uh, because of the, uh, the attention Joe Rogan brought, brought it. So, yeah. um, yeah, and it got reviewed on guns and tactics. It got a really positive review on guns and tactics recoil, uh, web did a, a segment on it. So, um, yeah, there's not too much, about that book that's far from the truth, but there is obviously places and names changed. And then the problems, like I said, that the main character has is an amalgamation of what I dealt with, uh, guys on my team, uh, what they dealt with, um, both downrange and at home. And do you think that the, the government, you know, those review boards are so tough on, um, military authors because, because of the negativity maybe that it sheds on the military, the lifestyle, you know, with the, the marital problems, the alcoholism, the drug abuse, uh, that can sometimes, uh, accompany that and go along with it. Do you think it that's seems, maybe why like, they're so, uh, strict on the autobiographies, the biography type stuff, rather than the fiction? I think something's in the mix there. Um, cause they just don't want, you know, they don't want to be, they don't want that getting out that, you know, that. Yeah. 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 You know, it brings a lot, sheds a lot of light on that. Our friends of mine that run uh, Hunter S Hunter seven. It's an organization. Um, you probably heard of them. They're big on uh-huh. Instagram and they shed a lot of light on, um, you know, issues that, that I even dealt with right downrange, uh, um, you know, all kinds of stuff, uh, hormone deficiency, uh, anxiety, PTSD, um, they also talk a lot about burn pits and the health ramifications from burn pits. Because, sh- shoot, we were around burn pits all the time. They were burning yeah. 
name it, they were burning it, you know? Yeah. You see that in those, um, uh, the movies and the TV shows that they, that they do, um, where they, you know, the shitters, he's talking about the shitters where they, they got to burn the, the latrine stuff. And, you know, that's like the worst duty to get. And they're wearing these masks and they, you know, everything to do it. That that's how toxic that shit is. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I I would rather be around fumes from burning shitters than some of the stuff that they, <laughs> and, you know, the shit was included. But yeah. I remember one AO that we left because we weren't technically supposed to be there um, in 2011, end of 2011. And, and, you know, we just literally drove some of the trucks that we had there into the burn pit as it was burning. We kind of ghost. Oh. rode those trucks right in the burn pits and started burning everything because you know what we couldn't put on a c-17 we had to get rid of yeah and um, there was only limited space so they were you know blowing everything in place and and, uh, and well, let me ask it. you this um with the Biden biden mass exodus you know over there in the middle east and leaving all that equipment behind and not doing that what what's your opinion on all that well so I, I spent a lot of time in Afghanistan. In fact, uh, 2012 to 2015 was exclusive um, in many different parts of Afghanistan. You name it, Jalalabad, uh, Bagram, Kabul, um, Herat. Uh, so I've been all over that country quite a bit. And um, it, it the drawdown was just so fast, right, that there was just no way logistically to, to ever take that stuff out or even blow it in place. You know, I just don't think that they had the manpower to do it. and They had to leave a lot of it behind. You know, the theory about leaving it behind was that, hey, you know, our, our Afghan partners will use it. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was the theory. And, and you know, hey, man, I, I worked with some good guys. The Afghan SOF guys, some of them were solid operators. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were trained by the best, you know, whether it was agency trained or trained by the special operations guys. You know, these guys were – uh, the tip of the spear in the last three, four years of the war, they were the ones kicking the doors, going in, grabbing the bad guys, you know, doing yeah. uh, sensitive site exploitation for intel. And but why wouldn't files. they have gathered those people and just say, here, yeah. take this stuff instead of just yeah. where she lays is where she stays and huh? first come, first serve. Yeah. But, um, you know, a lot of that stuff does need maintenance. Uh, the weapons probably get away with doing it yourself, figuring out how to do it yourself. The ammo certainly can be expended. So that's unfortunate. You don't think they don't have mechanics? Of- they got mechanics there. They can fix that shit. They got money. <laughs> they can get yeah. parts. They can get on Amazon and order parts just like we can. <laughs> True. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen some Afghans do some pretty rig up some pretty crazy stuff, you know, to change a tire, do what yeah. have you. But, they're not um, the backward ass, um, you know, mountain billy goat herding people that you know people think they are. Yeah, they have those, but the people that are taking over that country are are smart, educated people. Well, I hope not. Well, they are, <laughs> you know, and that that's the the fact of it. Yeah, yeah. we we were, and it may not be them, but it's the people that are behind them. You know, yeah, the Russians, yeah. Chinese. We well, true, uh, you know, and I know the country's changed quite a bit. We were actually supposed to go back to Kabul to um, help rescue Americans. You know that effort, uh, Pineapple, is the task force I'm referring to. But yeah. um, right as we were about to punch out, I got sick with COVID, um, and I wanted to see how much the country had changed just in the couple weeks' worth because I was flying into Kabul all the time 
Um, and that city is right up against the air, airfield. Now, if you were talking about Bagram, Bagram's got hundreds of miles of standoff. Yeah. You know, and, and that's probably the safest airfield to operate at. So I have no idea why the last airport that was going to be used for a withdrawal would have been would have been Kabul. It's just such a dangerous. Uh, There's some you know, political airport. reason why they did that. Un- yeah. Unbeknownst to us. Uh, yeah. Weird, man. That, that whole weird. that whole situation. There was something else behind it. Yeah. Anyway, um, in my book, anyway, uh, <laughs> back to the book. In in my book, Kabul is the is the location, the a primary location for most of the book. And um, you know, I got intimate knowledge with that city and and uh So uh, just real high you know, high high level so people will go obviously and read the book. What what is sure. it about? So the main character's name is Damien Collins. Damien suffers uh, from severe anxiety. He's got a custody battle for his daughter because he's hardly ever at home. You know, stuff that guys deal with all the time over there. Um, and he, he wants to be an asset to the team, you know, and the team he's on is Intel collection team. They feed Intel to, to you know, the guys like, you know, Dev Gru, SEAL Team 6 to kick the doors and get the bad guys. And they work hand in hand with a lot of those SOF teams. And he is literally trying to hold his shit together um, and function as an asset because he's addicted to the risk, like a lot of guys are. I mean, hell, I got guys that, that can't quit and they're like I said, they're in their fifties now. Some of them, and these guys don't want to stop deploying. Yeah, uh, to some of these AOs, you know, Syria, um, uh, Yemen, you know, places like that. Because and why would they stop? Well, I, I think it, like like Hunter Hunter Seven talks about. I think there's a huge pay uh, uh, paycheck for um, or bill. Sorry, I should say bill for for operations over there, man. You. Uh, you start to lose your health, uh, your marriage suffers, your relationship with your children suffers. Yeah. Um, you know, you just, you, you're. So more the personal your, side of the aspect yeah. is why they would, yeah. would want yeah, to get And that's a it. shit show for a lot of guys. In fact, I know some guys are around their third and fourth marriages, you know, and they're only in their thirties <sighs> uh, because they were just like, Hey, you know, I, I want to be, you know, I want to have a positive relationship when I turn with somebody, but the, the wives they were with were like, yeah, I'm not dealing with this shit anymore. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, it's got its ups and downs and stuff, but the book talks a lot about uh, this guy wanting to be, you know, a force uh, for his country and, and, you know, to still serve in that capacity. And he's going over there and working these, you know, high profile secret missions and doing what he can. And he's going back and, and, and battling for the custody of his daughter. So, um, the guys in his uh, immediate company are uh, all based on real people. Um, in fact, Loki was a guy that I deployed with, uh, same call sign um, on the team I was on. And Loki, you know, suffered some of the same issues, right? Uh, PTSD, which I believe he still probably has issues with. Um, uh, that know, doesn't ever go away. It's just not, on how you cope with you it. Not unless you get the right therapy. Yeah. yeah. Not unless you get the right therapy. And a lot of guys don't want to do that because what it does is it highlights the issue that they might not be a dependable team member, right? Yeah, so they just internalize it. And yeah. Um, yeah, happens a lot over there, man. Um, so the book's a good mix of that and action. All the discussions about. Um, you know, PTSD, anxiety, marital problems, all that stuff's done internally between the characters yeah. or, or, or thought about by the main character. So it's not something that 
um, I force on my readers, right? It's just, it just alludes to it as you, this guy tries to deal with, you know, his, um, you know, his responsibility to his team and to the country and stuff like that. And, yeah. um, you know, it took a couple of, uh, really good, um, experiences that I had, had, uh, doing operations and then supporting operations, some of which were pretty high profile and, and threw in the book to make it exciting and a lot of military jargon. So, now, uh, do okay. you, do you have like a thing in the back of your book that people can refer to for that, that jargon? No. <laughs> I try to, uh, cause you know, how the military is huge on acronyms. I try yeah. to spell out all the acronyms as best I can and on the explain, initial and then you run with it through the rest yeah. of the book. Yeah. And try to explain it in a cursory attempt, right? At yeah. least so that people kind of get the gist of it. But Hey man, I, um, I grew up reading Tom Clancy and that's what Tom did. Yeah. Tom just all the high tech stuff in there, and he's like, "If you don't get it, sorry." There, there's this thing called a dictionary and the internet nowadays. You can <laughs> yeah, Google but, uh, it. You Google the second it. book, the second book, Relapse, which is a continuation of A Failed State, uh, it it softens that a little bit um, and goes into more in depth of the character development and and all that stuff. I like the technical, you know, yeah, books that get into the technical stuff. And then, you know, just it doesn't say, you know, he used a knife or he pulled his pistol or, you know, they tell, you know, SIG P226 custom trigger by blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, hey, man, that's the stuff you and I love. So yeah. it's hard not to talk about, right? Yeah. Well, and that, that's the people that are going to read this book too. You know, the majority of them are going to understand right. that or they're going to want to know what it is and they'll look it up and, it's not going to de- detract from the the story itself, but it sounds like a good book. I've you know, I've not read it yet. Um, we were just recently introduced, so yeah, uh, I've yeah. been on a you know a kick with some other books. Um, just you know the Jack Carr stuff. Just uh, was rushing to get all that Clint stuff. Uh, reading his books, getting caught up, and then I got this new one. Uh, I was trying to find it. I had a copy of it uh, over here somewhere. Here it is. Um, Nicholas Orr. Have you heard of Nicholas Orr? I haven't, man. I haven't. So Nicholas Orr, he's got this book. It's called The Operator. So I'm I'm reading this series of books now. Uh, my good buddy uh, Paul Markle turned me on to this. So I'm in the process of reading this. Uh, it's pretty good stuff. Good book so far. He gets he he gets a little detailed in the the romance parts of them, though, and so I get a little oh. uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, reading that stuff, so yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have, we don't have, I didn't have much time for that. No a lot t- of these guys are married um, in the book, but uh, yeah. if you like the operator, you'd like, you'd like my stuff. So you're not going to have a lot of romance stuff, you know. No. There, detailed. There's some, there's, there's some strong female characters, manhood, relational <laughs> shit. But uh, Jack, Jack Carr's got a copy of my book. Um, you know, he's so busy. I bet, bet you he hasn't had a chance to. Oh, I bet he has. He's a reader, man. He's always. Yeah, but it's it's the same type of genre that Jack writes. It's just not. Um, it's more based in, in realism, you know, stuff that I've experienced. Yeah. I know Jack integrates that into his books, but yeah. it's all based on a fictional premise. Well, that's, is- that's the great thing about it is it's not, it's not him because he's him and you, you, and, you know, people need right. a break from from that. That's right. why I like checking out different authors' books. And we got Stephen Hunter coming up. Um, you know who Stephen Hunter is? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. So he wrote, um, I can't remember what the actual name of the book is, but The Shooter, you should, the movie Shooter yep. with uh, Marky Mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
He writes yep. that series of books. So he's got a new one coming out. Um, it'll be SHOT Show, I think, is when he's actually going to release it. So we're going to have oh, him yeah. on the, the week before, which is next week. Uh, he's going to be talking about his new book, um, which I don't have a copy of it because I sent it to Brian. Uh, for you listeners who know Brian with Occam Defense Solutions, uh, he's into those things too. So I sent him my copy because it's not out yet, and he's going to co-host with me. So. Uh, that'll be that'll be a good interesting uh, interview as well. But yeah, I like, I like, I like guys who can write about their experience for sure. So yeah, and he's a completely different writer than you know Tom Clancy or Jack Carr or you, you know, and that or yeah. Nicholas Orr, you know, and that's what I like because I don't like reading the same thing over and over again. Everybody's got their own little twist and and way to tell a story, and that's what's really enjoyable about it. So I'm looking forward to to checking out yours, a failed state. Do you have a copy of it you could hold up there? Yeah, that, right up here, man. Yeah, put a little closer to the the camera for our yeah, I got a viewers. There it is, a failed state. Yeah, and there's a well, some reviews on the back, and um, and you've got a website for this. Uh, a failed state dot com. A failed state dot com, and both books are available under products or books. I think is the the way that works. Right next to all my buddies, uh, Black Rifle Coffee offerings here up there on top of the shelf but yeah <laughs> little black rifle i like their ak blend yeah that's i got that somewhere here. i actually don't drink coffee uh but uh the people that i've shared it with like it so ak espresso yeah that's right around the other shelf here in fact he supports uh my business not the book side but the training side because we have so many different agencies in here um that he wants those guys drinking uh, black rifle for free so we, nice. we make that available to them when they come in they opened up one just down the road here in tennessee in uh manchester no mcmember nice. Ma- yeah manchester, that, uh, manchester. Uh, yeah yeah just down the road here i haven't been to that one yet i've been to the one in salt lake city uh i've been to that one with jeff kirkham uh went up there to see him at ready man and at the yeah. time that's where uh, paul markle was too with student of the gun but they're i don't think they're in that building anymore that is uh, making its way here, too, because I just talked to them. They've got a little bit of moratorium while they uh, straighten out their operations, and then they're going to be open a couple in northern Idaho and then making their way down to Meridian and some of the more conservative uh, community suburbs around Boise. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool getting a tour of the place and you know, him telling how they do the, the process of the roasting. And yeah. really what I found interesting is how they source their – their beans, you know, where they come from and how they get them and the trials and tribulations they go through for that was pretty cool. Well, that's, that's what I'll be doing in uh, at shot show between um, meetings is, is Drinking walking coffee. Around with, uh, <laughs> yeah. Walking around with Andy from black rifle coffees, their social media guy, Andy's former um, Marsoc. Great, great, great dude. Very and a cool. uh, good friend of mine. Um, in fact, me and Andy and, the lead character in my book, Loki, who I'll leave it at that. Loki um, went out to see uh, Mike Jones, who is known as Garan Thumb, out in um, Joint Base Lewis McCord, uh, worked out in the gym, and then went out to his range and shot uh, a bunch of different rifles. So. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's do I want to talk about the um, forward movement training company that you have. We're going we're yeah. gonna, gonna to do that. But first... Uh, I've got this segment that we call New Guy, New Guy, New Guy, New Guy, New Guy. Sometimes girl questions. 
It's just a segment that's designed for our listeners to get to know you a little better on a personal level. You bet. So uh, the first question is, and obviously we know this, your your military law enforcement background. Uh, you talked a little bit about that. Talk about the most fulfilling aspect in that segment of your career. That's an easy one, man. I think the most fulfilling aspect was just working with guys with such advanced pedigrees in special operations. I mean, a lot of these guys had done anywhere from a minimum of four to 10 years in, in pretty high speed units, you know, Ranger battalions, special forces, uh, SEAL teams, um, what have you. And then they transitioned into this job where now we're doing, you know, support for intelligence activities in support of even higher speed organizations like CAG and DevGuru that are kicking doors and stuff like that. So being around these guys is addictive. And I we talked about that addiction level, right? We talked about guys that just want to belong to something that meaningful. And that's mm-hmm. why they're constantly deploying. And I can tell you why is because you get around guys like this and I'm experiencing it in some limited amounts here as running this company. You get around guys that are just type A personality that have their stuff squared away that when you put them into a situation, they're mission focused, right? Um, man, being around guys, you get a huge contact high yeah. around guys like that and you emulate that, right? So I, I become a better man at getting my shit done at being responsible at, you know, being a force for, for good, you know, than I ever have, uh, just by being in, in that kind of company. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like that. Definitely. Yeah. So what was your, and are you from Idaho? No, actually, believe it or not, I grew up, uh, Irish South side Chicago is where I was born and raised. I got out of there as soon as I was 18, but um, Southside had, had enough of Chicago. But when I talk about Irish Southside, anybody that's ever heard of or been to Southie in Boston, uh, Bridgeport's a lot like that. So um, you fight your way through everything. Uh, communities are very segregated, but the Irish there are, you know, pretty destitute, pretty pretty poor community, yeah. but working class. You know what I mean? So the kids would just fight. You just fight, fight, fight fight everybody, fight people, you know, that, you know, fight people you don't know, um, that come into your neighborhood and stuff and, um, just a different upbringing. But my dad was an educator. So he's like, you're not going to live like that. And, uh, you know, you're going to go to college like I did and we're going to get out of here. And, um, yeah, so I, I was in Arizona shortly after uh, high school graduation, um, spent uh, a lot of summers growing up in Northern Michigan, believe it or not, which is mm. pretty rural. Yeah. Um, yeah. At, at a Boy Scout camp. Uh, up around the lakes and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Getting my, uh, my dad made me get my Eagle Scout, you know, so when all my buddies were drinking um, and chasing girls at 16, I was cleaning gutters out of churches. So <laughs> he wasn't, he wasn't going to let that go. So uh, Eagle Scout or nothing, but uh, Very cool. yeah, it worked out. Nice. Yeah. What is your earliest uh, recollection of shooting a firearm? So that, that that's a great segue, man. Legal. So, <laughs> yeah. So Boy, Boy Scout camp shot 22s when I was, you know, geez, uh, 12, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Mark. So you got your exposure the, through the scouts. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if that's changed a lot. I imagine it, it is. Has. Yeah, it has. Marksmanship. They were big on it. Yeah. They, they did that when I was in the scouts. I remember when yeah. my dad was a, a scout master and. 
God, I hope they're doing it still, man. I don't, I don't think they are. <laughs> I really don't. I just, yeah, it's a di- it's a whole different animal these days. Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. Somebody should start a new Boy Scouts. Not I, call it Boy Scouts, but call it something else. But you know the 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 you know the philosophy and the goals and you know everything that they were teaching back then. They're teaching boys to be men. Yeah. You know, and they just I just don't think they're doing that anymore. It's sad. Mm-hmm. Not so much. Teaching boys how to be men. Now they're teaching girls how to be men. <laughs> <laughs> And, and dominate, uh, and then the reverse is happening. They're dominating all the girls' sports, right? Oh, oh my gosh, how ridiculous! Go down the wormhole on that one. Anyway, we'll move from that. Sure. Uh, what was so the twenty-two? What was the first firearm that uh, you could call your own that you actually went out and spent your own money on? So I, I my dad, my dad obviously gifted me a, a 22 rifle long rifle right so i had a 22 long rifle for a while and i didn't really own a firearm until um i got out of college and uh, when i did that i bought a, a ruger nine millimeter which i ended up hating you know i don't, I don't I, i'm not saying anything about ruger but i just it didn't fit it's me. not right for you yeah you know the way i liken it is like a pair of shoes you know right i can't wear nikes even though you know, I've always wanted a pair, you know, pair of Nikes, and but you know, back when you're in high school, if you didn't have Nikes, you know, you were a nerd or whatever. But they just didn't fit my feet. They didn't feel good, you know, and I can't yeah. wear them, so I don't, I don't buy Nike. Nothing that against was, Nike. Well, the Nikes to me were, were, you know, and I carried it obviously all the way through uh, federal law enforcement and and obviously downrange for for OGA was the Glock 17. So I was, yeah. you know, really, really, I'm still really partial to Glocks. I know a lot of people hate them. Um, a lot of people know, love them too, though. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man. So that, for me, that, that, that's the one, that's the, now I own a ton of them because, you know, being, running a training company, you know, we've got to be able to run and gun with some of these um, yeah. units and, have some uh, pretty good outfits and we've got relationships with, you know, with Glock, with primary weapon systems, with, you know, just a lot of, uh, B B and T. I mean, a lot of, uh, H and K HKs, uh, a lot of folks. So, um, it's hard to have just one favorite, you know, I like sure. using everything for sure. So, so what's yeah. the, when you buy a new Glock, what's the first thing that you modify? What's the first aftermarket accessory that you, you mod on it? Well, I think it's just the host of it, right? It's like buying a truck. You're going to get shocks, wheels, and tires, right? And for me, it's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to get stippled. If it doesn't have that already, it's going to get a tack light, generally a surefire. Um, and then, of course, it's going to get a, a custom slide um, and then a trigger. Uh, and then. Are you getting uh, an aftermarket slide or are you having someone do the cuts and everything for it. you? I, usually have, I know quite a few people now that do it. Um, I usually have somebody mill it. Uh, but cause I need to do it anyway for the optic that I, that I run, you know, and I, and I've run a, a bunch of different optics, but, uh, uh, it's, it's the host of things, man. I can't stop at just one thing, you know, cause if I were to buy a new truck and just get, you know, windows tinted, wouldn't feel like yeah. a truck unless you bought all the, get the running boards and it. the brush guards yeah. and the lights and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, um, 
I was going to ask you another question about the Glock. I can't. Remember. Oh, so what gen or Glock are you pref? Do you prefer? You, do you so, like the Gen fives? You Gen fours? Yeah, Gen threes? Yeah, Gen fives. I didn't like the Gen fours uh, at all. For some reason, I just didn't. I have. I still have one. It's a home defense gun, so I've got an old uh, tack light on it and a um, extended ex- extended mag. But I use it as a home defense weapon. The fives is the one I take to the range, and the one I you know. Yeah. Are you still carry. using the full size, or are you doing the nineteens on those? I'm, I'm I've reduced to nineteens. A lot of guys love the seventeen custom seventeens. Yeah. Um, they love those things, man. But not me. I. Um, I've, I've reduced, all the agency guys carry the all the case officers, the analysts. They all carry the the nineteens, and I was jealous because you know the seventeens would dig into your side when you yeah. got the view, especially you jab your nuts piece. if you're appendix carrying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it's uh, it's definitely a nineteen, and it's it's customized, you know, from top to bottom. Man. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Do you have it there? Can you hold it up? Uh, I do not. I yep. do not. I've got okay. uh, a whole wall of Glock simulator guns um, in the other room. And we're going to talk we about that. We're going to talk about yeah. uh, simulator training. I want to yeah. talk about that. Um, when it comes to pop culture, what is your go-to to just you know, kick back, relax, go into your own world, whether it's a movie, TV, music, a book, uh social media stuff what's what's well, your go-to I'm forced i'm forced to be addicted to instagram and i've got an interesting story about um i've got an interesting story about tiktok but okay. i'm forced <laughs> to be addicted to instagram although we have people doing i have people doing both my book site and my company site because they're two different sites and i've got my own personal which is friends and family that i do and i don't contribute there much to it but um for a while my daughter who was only 12 was doing all our TikToks for forward movement training. And what we were doing, it was the coolest stick ever. And we hit like 20,000 followers in like a matter of like a month at one point is we were reviewing security footage and commenting on what we would do differently. Critiquing it? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. TikTok did not like that. They didn't like any of the footage. If there was violence involved, if there was the implication of violence. Um, if the, even if there was an accident, because I think one was an aviation accident, it was a helicopter that was hit by a uh, delivery truck yeah. as it was schooling, and nobody got hurt, but it damaged the aircraft. They they banned uh, that for content as well. So that was my my guy. I was really into that man. I was getting so many comments and people. Aren't there other it. outlets like Twitch? Can you do like Twitch or something and and do that? Yeah, I probably could. I think when you get banned and they just basically suspend your account, I think it really tends to make you feel like slighted. Like if somebody stole stuff out of your car. You yeah. Know what I mean. So, yeah, um, I've never done TikTok anyway, so I'm not. I'm not really familiar with how they do things. I haven't done Twitch either, but. What about like Instagram? They they let you do videos and stuff like that. You, that would be a good little thing on Instagram to do critiques of. So that's already done by a couple of good friends of mine. Uh, Byron uh, Rogers is a, is a friend of mine that does quite a bit of that. Um, Yusuf Badu is a former Marine that runs a situational awareness training company. Does yeah quite a bit of that. Um, it, it just seems like it's a little overdone, and I know uh, in who I know. Uh, as well from Fieldcraft Survival, they're they're doing that quite a bit too. Okay. Um, I, I mean, believe it or not, I don't I don't follow the social meets that much unless it's yeah. a friend of mine or you know yeah. sponsor or somebody of the show. I don't 
I don't search out stuff on the the social media, so I wouldn't know any of that stuff. Just sound like a good idea, though. <laughs> it's exhausting, man. It's exhausting doing that stuff and yeah. producing it and all that, man. I'm telling yeah. you. So my time is better spent doing talking to people like you. <laughs> yeah, and having you on the show definitely. Yeah. Um. So, what is your next gotta have? Wanna have? When you've got the money, you're gonna go out and you're gonna you're buying it. I think that's gonna firmly rest in the AK. Ah. So, yeah, and and I say that because I've got you know half a dozen AR variants, uh, you know, different modifications, different barrel lengths, uh, different componentry, and the one thing I've never owned, even though. I almost bought a Tanso, which is a Polish AK variant, um, back in the day for like, I thought it was too much money at the time. This was back when I was deploying for $270 is what it was selling for on, I can't remember the site. Uh, those were the days. <laughs> oh, gosh, I just feel like that would have been just a great buy. But now I want a full custom one, but I guess they're going for a lot of money. Uh, they can. Yeah, they, de they definitely can. Um, I'll introduce you to Brian at Occam Defense Solutions. Yeah, do that. They they make uh, some really really nice AKs. Yeah, do that because I um I've been talking to guys that uh, feature them. Uh, Bandito Bill is a guy that he's been on the um, show. Yeah, yeah, had Bill know, on the show. Uh oh. Okay. Example to be. You know, here's a guy that's made the transition from airsoft to the real thing, man. So there yeah. is hope. Yeah, he came from China too. Yeah, his awesome guy. He's, awesome he guy. he was uh, I think he was like twelve or something. I can't remember how old he was, but you know, his family moved over to to the United States and uh, you know living the dream. Yeah, I love that American dream story, man. That that's super encouraging. You yeah, know? and I'll tell you what, immigrants do a great job, man. The owner, the previous owner, I got no problem with immigrants. You know, got no yeah, problem. I know. Yeah, Pre the previous owner of my company. Legal. Um, Went to go work for a guy that immigrated, Bedros Koulian. You probably heard his name. Um, he immigrated from Coolio. East, yeah, Eastern Bloc, and he uh, he runs kind of a um, kind of a SEAL training for civilians out in Southern California. You know, level up your business, your life, your marriage. Yeah. All right. So, what is your? So, did we actually talk about what your go-to? Yeah. Yeah. We Social media? <laughs> is that is yeah, that your go-to? Yeah. yeah. So what's your favorite movie? Um, to be honest with you, man, having worked with uh, Mark Geist from Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, I like, I like that show, man. That was one of my favorite shows. And I think that um, Michael Bay did an outstanding job yeah. on that movie because not only was all the equipment in it, and I know because I did that job, but not not only was all that equipment in that movie legit, it was all used properly. I mean, Mark and all those guys went over there and, and acted as um, subject matter experts. Yeah, you talking about the Thirteen actors. Hours, the movie Thirteen yep. Hours? Yeah, yep. that's one of my favorite movies too. Really enjoy. It. We've had just, Chris on the show. Uh, oh yeah, a few times. Yeah. yeah, he's been on, and um, um, Boone was actually on. He didn't ever say anything. <laughs> but, oh really? <laughs> Yeah. I don't know Boone. Um, I know I know Mark really well. Um, you know, we did some business together for a while, and and I supported his um, help support his non for profit for a bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I good. just yeah. I, I mean, great I, story I just, there. Just, you know, tragic story. Uh, for yeah. Guys who haven't seen Thirteen Hours, you know, is about the Benghazi uh, attacks on our 
uh, consulate there and the tragedy of the administration at the time that could have intervened, but they didn't. Waiting for Jack's movie, uh, Amazon series to kick off. Yeah, man, I am too. I can't wait. I don't know what the holdup is. What are they waiting on? It's got to be done by now. I, I, I think Chris Pratt's a great, great American, you know, a good actor. Yeah, to, to represent, uh, to be in that business, you know, that um, w- that world, you know, where guns and Second Amendment and you know, even the First Amendment sometimes uh, is, is so looked down upon for him to. Yeah. Yeah, and and our military men and women to support them in, in the way that he does, uh, you know, it's it's rare, um, because usually you got to have somebody who's even, but he's reached that level now. I mean, he's superstar now, so you know he's reached that level where you can tell him to suck off and. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we need more of that. We need more of those guys. Self sufficient kind of dude. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Speaking of, um, what are your and I got to get I have to ask this because this is something that I. I promised the listeners that I would not give up on and I would keep following is the um the Alec Baldwin situation. What's your what's your thoughts on on that? Are you, you familiar? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. I uh you ever seen the Will Smith video where there's a table full of guns and they're talking about um the guns they're gonna use in some production and one of the guys picks it up and flags everybody with the barrel, even though they're all safed and cleared. Yep. You ever seen that video? Yeah, he I saw grabs that. it out of the guy's hand. Yeah. He checks the chamber and, you know, basically makes sure the mag isn't in, in it and then hands it back to the guy. Yeah. I mean, say what you will about, um, you know, actors. Uh, there's a lot of them that are being pushed through and wake of John Wick through that um, firearms training facility in Southern California. And I met the guy and I'm trying to think of his name. It's eluding me. Um, Yeah. He's been on the show. I've had him on the show. Yeah. Um, Taron Tactical. Yeah. Taron. Taron Tactical. Taron Butler. Sorry. Taron Butler. Yeah. Taron takes guys and he turns them into just firearms, you know, gurus because he's big on that. And if you've ever watched, any John Wick, the handling is impeccable, right? And you don't get that in Hollywood. You don't get the, the proper handling. There's always that, right? It always sounds like they just rack their gun whenever they point at somebody. And I'm like, that oh, yeah. doesn't sound that. You know and they'll I mean? rack it before they go in, and then they'll rack it again. After. Oh, well, they'll, they'll just use that sound as if they it racked itself you yeah. know, when they pointed at somebody. So at the end of the day, man, I, I think that Baldwin has nobody to blame but himself because if he's going to – use a gun as he has in a lot of his movies, right? Then he needed to get the safety training to go with that. And Taron won't let any of those actors get away with it without proper safety yeah. techniques and usage. Did so. you watch the interview that he did with uh, George Snuffleupagus? No. Okay. No. You should watch that. Cause you, I, I should, well, I saw I saw excerpts from it. You'll be yelling at the the screen. Oh, and, yeah. That's why I don't watch it. Stuff like that. He, he's, he's, like, he says he never that? pulled the trigger, which you know <laughs> I, I can I can I can buy that. But yeah. it's a wheel gun, and it's trigger. You know, it's all the trigger is the the mechanism. He said he pulled the trigger back. Yeah. And yeah, whatever. And you know, in the West, they modified them to where you wouldn't have to pull. You just you know you could operate the the hammer hammer the hammer is what sets the you know ignites the bullet 
And by right. releasing it and not fully cocking it to where it locks and you release it, then that's potential to... But yet he, he will not take any responsibility whatsoever for this. Of course right? not, man. Of course he will not. You know, if he would have just stepped up yeah. in the beginning and just took some responsibility... Instead. Well, they're using it as a platform, Lefty, for for you know anti-gun stuff. I well, mean, he's anti-gun anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's he's huge at. But now that he's the, you know, the person who pulled the trigger, although he didn't pull the trigger, he he operated the hammer. Um, you know, he's still deflecting it. But I apologize, guys. I haven't done an update on where that story is. I just googled it and just trying to see anything because it's kind of died down over the holiday. Which I, you know, I guarantee you, that's what he wanted to happen. But we're not going to let this die. We're going to keep stoking this this flame because this this douchebag needs to be held accountable, along with a lot of other people. Because there are, you know, levels that this should have never reached due to movie sets. And I'm familiar with movie sets because, like I said, my girlfriend's in the business. She works in it, and you know, I'm, I'm pretty familiar. And this this live rounds on set and. This guy checked it, and this guy checked it, and this guy checked it. Well, you know, should have never yeah. have happened. Yeah, I agree. I agree. In fact, that's what I do for a living now, man, is I, you know, we train everybody from civilians to uh, law enforcement to military, and, and that safety portion is huge, you know. Um, you know, even wor working with the law enforcement agents yesterday, we still get them on the line. We still check all their systems to make sure they're using either simunitions or you know, sometimes we use airsoft for non-lethal live fire. And yeah, well, I mean, even in that environment, it's even more critical and crucial that okay. you make sure there's no real ammo uh, yep. around. Or flashbangs or anything, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so here's the four hours ago. Just back to the Alec thing real quick. I guess Hilaria is his wife and Alec Baldwin are so grateful after their cat is healed from car accident. That's an actual headline. Oh my gosh! Uh, Anything to deflect, deflect, deflect. Yeah, this yeah. guy is so deserves to go to jail. All right, let's move on. New guy questions. Enough about Alec Baldwin. Um, so, money be damned. No, I think I asked you what's the next thing you're going to buy. If you had the opportunity right now, what's the next thing you go out and you would buy? Well, I get a lot of stuff. It's on your bucket as list. Sure you, as I'm sure you do for free, I get a lot of stuff for free as long as it goes on social media and it gets honorable men, honor, an honorable mention. So I make no uh, guarantees. I make no guarantees. <laughs> and people who send me shit know that. So, so you know, I've been blessed, obviously, as a company owner as well, to get everything from the latest night vision. And I'm telling you this. Right now, some of the latest night vision out there, um, which I have uh, transacted for a federal agency, uh, you know, even has some thermal capabilities now, as well as a heads up display for stuff like frequencies and grid coordinates. Yeah. Um, so I, I get to play with a lot of stuff for free. I think the thing that I can't justify asking for or buying for the company um, under the company FFL, like I said, is probably the AK. And so I think by and large, a customized AK. And man, Bandito Bill had some pretty nice Arctic looking specimens in his armory there. So I was looking for mine. I've got it put up somewhere. 
I'll introduce you to Occam and you'll uh, just yeah, look do at that. I'll give you the info when we get off here. Occam Defense Solutions. Uh, so I have to be careful about a lot of that stuff because if I go out and buy something and spend the money on it, it happens to be a competitor's, you know, stuff. It it just doesn't look good. Well, you got um, no. You're not competing on AKs, so you can you can get any true. AK. Yeah, so. none, none of the law, none of the law enforcement uh, groups that we train or, or deal with deal with AKs, man. So yeah. we're in the clear. You're in the clear there. You can have them all. <laughs> yep. And you're Absolutely. gonna want them all after you start getting into it, man. It's like anything. Oh, I know. I was Correct. so dreading uh, getting into it because I always wanted to learn more about the AK. And, you know, I'm like, I'm an AR guy. I had, you know, dozens of ARs, built several dozen, and just really AR guy. And I always wanted to get into the AK, but I was just like, ah. you know, I know where it's going to go. <laughs> I know where it's going to lead. And now I got more AKs than I, right? than I got ARs. Yeah. We had to know how to use them. We had to go through an AK fam and, you know, everything from, you know, foreign weapons like uh, uh, the RPG-7 and, uh, you know, anything Soviet block. Uh, yeah. You need to listen to the AK Corner, the Talking Lead AK Corner. Again, like I said, we're doing our fourth season starting uh, this month. Be dropping the 15th, like always. Uh, and I think you'll you'll learn a lot. Yeah, I love it, man. Love it. I I want to be a convert just like you. So there you go. So what is laws be damned, money be damned, um, rules be damned, people be damned. What would you own? Uh, you could have yeah, honestly, anything honestly, you wanted. Uh, probably a probably a Hilo, man. You know. What? Which probably, one? I, I I like the MD. I like the the little guys. I like the little birds. Okay. I think those are the coolest. Um, you know, I got to, to ride in a couple of them, and I just think they're just the coolest. My, my son and I are into playing um, Battlefield 2042 now, and that's my favorite. Is that the new Battlefield that's out? Yeah, yeah. I, haven't, my, I haven't done that one yet. Yeah, I get on that thing, man. It's fun. And okay. That's my new favorite vehicle is that little chopper. I mean, it's got the mini guns on it and the rocket pods, and, man, I just I think that thing's great. And I was, you know, I don't know growing up, but I watched uh, – Magnum PI growing up. Yeah. So you remember TC? Remember that little sucker. Yep. TC's. TC's flying that thing around. Yeah. Big fan. But you would have missile launchers and guns and and chip mounted on yours. Oh, absolutely. There you go. Yeah. yeah. yeah go hog hunting. Go hog hunting in Texas with that thing, man. <laughs> that right. would be. I'm surprised somebody hasn't done that yet. Well, they probably have. Yeah, they probably have. They just don't talk about it just, a lot. Right? I don't want the ATF banging on their door. Yeah, they don't want the uh, the PETA banging on their door. Yeah, no kidding, right? They're worse than the ATF, probably. Um, so this is a new one that I've thrown in, and uh, I've I've had some fun with this question. So, do you believe in the existence of or the possibility that aliens exist? Do you, you know, believe in UFOs? To be honest with you, my theory has always been that everything that we see craft-wise is something from the future, you know, meaning that time travel, people are going Somebody back. figured time. out uh, Isaac, uh, or not his name, uh, what's his name? Einstein's, uh, Einstein's Einstein. theory, yep. yeah. Yeah, that, that what we're seeing is just stuff from the future, and ho hopefully not, but the people we're seeing are, are, you know, heavily evolved humans, right, from the future, from thousands of years in the future that 
um, you know, are just going back to influence their future somehow, right? By changing things back in yeah. ours. And that's always been my theory. I, I've I like thought about that. Yeah. I've thought yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of reading, man. I think that um, one of the things that I keep coming back to is that our solar system set up so perfectly for life on this planet because no other solar system, at least that we've encountered, thinks um, that there's a setup like ours insofar as Ju uh, is it Jupiter? Yeah, the Jupiter is the gravitational pull that Jupiter is pulling all the asteroids and meteorites out of our you know general orbit so stuff that would impact life on our planets being sucked into you know it's gravitational pull and it's just set up perfectly for what we have going on and i don't know, you know but I out of all the of the billions that they say um of solar systems that are out there you don't think there's a possibility of another one that's i don't know man i grew up um you know i, I obviously have a, a still have faith in, in, you know, Lord Almighty and, and, uh, kind of grew up, you know, in a, in a Christian home and, sure. uh, you know, I like, I like the thought of being a, the, you the know, only the one. Yeah. I like the thought of being the like, only one out there. Yeah. So now, that being said, I can't discount the fact that technology probably makes some, you know, some strange, uh, things happen here, right. Mm -hmm. In our present based on what's going on in the future. But yeah, I just, yeah. I, I've thought about the future theory before hypothesis, but I just don't think that we're responsible enough that, that we wouldn't come back to the, the past and change it somehow. Yeah. Rather than just observe, because I don't think that, that humans could do that. They're just too no. greedy, too <laughs> selfish. Yeah. You, you know, know, human nature. Brother. But I don't guess we would know if, if they changed it or not, would we? Because we're yeah. in the present, so we wouldn't know. Yeah. So we, we wouldn't know until until we got to the future. But, I mean, if yeah. you think about it, why wouldn't you, right? If you could go back and manipulate it so that, you know, Absolutely. one society is doing better than the other. Yeah. yeah. I walk in Bill Gates' garage and I steal his idea, you know. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you remember Hot Tub Time Machine movie, don't you? Oh. My, yeah, it's my, been a while. I haven't watched it in a while. Lugal instead of Google. Yeah. yeah. That's what it But, yeah, I mean, who hasn't fantasized about, you know, time travel? Yeah, that, sure. that's a thing. So what about Sasquatch? So I've got a really good buddy here who is a former, not only was he former uh, Marine uh, Force Recon guy, but he also went in again during the war as a CCT, as an Air Force CCT, and saw some action. It actually broke, blew up his ankle on a, oh, shit. On a, on a landing from a halo jump. So um, I won't mention him by name, but he actually was – you know, a solid operator, um, trustworthy guy. And he was actually doing some hiking here in Idaho, uh, up in a town, up town called Crouch, which is, um, you know, central Idaho in the mountains, you know, in the, in the Boise Cascade, uh, mountain area, which is famous for Sasquatch sightings. Actually, there's been several. And he was with another guy who was also another army veteran, and so they both corroborate each other's stories and they were hiking towards a destination from the campground, which is vacant in the fall. So there's nobody out there. It's just those two guys. They didn't see any of their vehicles at the trailhead. They parked their vehicle in, um, started hiking out uh, in the direction they were going. And they got to a thicket and they heard something, weren't sure what it was. And as they started closing in on the thicket, a, um, a rock got launched out of it. Ah, and, ah. They're, and they're both armed 
because these guys aren't stupid. Being veterans, they're, they're arms. So they yeah. both have ARs. And so he stops, he opens his ears, tries to assess the situation. Um, and I heard this firsthand from him. It's not a secondhand story. Yes. I'm getting um, chills. And then, I like this. Yep, and then I he like figures, this. okay, if there's somebody messing around, they're going to get shot up. And then they push closer. Well, this time a rock, a head-sized rock, comes launching out of that thicket like a can- like a cannon. Oh, shit. And he, he said that they looked at each other and they knew something was amiss because to throw a rock at that velocity – especially as, as dense as it was. And we're talking big river stones, right? Yeah. So these things are probably yeah. like, geez, that would even imagine pounds. it's probably like 20, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds. Yeah. But at that velocity, he knew something was wrong. So they, they turned tail and left and never talked about it. Never saw anything, but the thing <laughs> got shot out of there like it got shot out, shot out of a, a slingshot, right? Yeah. So, and that's the only thing he remembers. And then another really good buddy of mine who actually does our social media Austin Leg is his name. Austin has done social media for Everly Stock. He does it for Right On Optics, which I'm sure you know the company. Yeah, used to be um, a sponsor. Yeah. Yep. He uh, J Mac was, was on our uh, live that we just did. Yeah, he was Jeremy. driving in Nevada. Has a story about driving in Nevada, and he told me this story firsthand too. And Austin and this other guy met each other and talked about it. But Austin was driving in Nevada in just a desolate part and was on the highway at night and. He saw something out of the corner of his eye and looked, and here was a, a, a large human-sized form basically keeping up with a vehicle running in the flats. And he was afraid to stop the vehicle because of what he saw. He was so freaked out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. About, yeah. So those are the two stories that have kind of influenced my take on it, man. And, and I don't know. So you think it's plausible? Like, yeah. Yeah, I think it's plausible. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it's You wouldn't possible. necessarily say that you you believe that it's a Bigfoot, but you believe it's it, plausible two, something. Two, two extremely trustworthy guys that I don't think are big on making up stories. If you know Austin and, and you know this other guy, they're not embellishers, yeah. right? And they keep to themselves. They're not guys that go on social media and yeah. talk about it. But. Would you go on a uh, Sasquatch hunt? <sighs> not to yeah. kill him, not to kill him, but just to just to I, prove. I want to be armed. Oh, I definitely way. would be armed, no doubt. No, I'm talking about M203, <laughs> 40 Mike Mike, Mike HEDP round. I'm not taking chances, man. There you go. There you go. Yeah. There are some people th- that say that you know the Sasquatch is alien, He's some sort of alien life form, or or yeah, tra- I, dimensional some, dimensional yeah. traveler. Yeah, yeah. There's been some discussions about that. I don't know if I'm. <laughs> In that camp, and there's yeah. been some discussion. I like the there's idea a, of of Sasquatch. You know, yeah. I, I just I don't think I don't think there is one, but I like the idea of it, and also of aliens and UFOs. I like the idea of of that, but I don't think they've ever visited this planet. I think they're out there. I think there's other life out there, but I just don't think it's made it yeah, here. Fun, fun to talk about, right? Yeah, fun stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, last question for the uh, new guy questions, and then we're going to talk about. Um, your training company, Forward Movement Training. If you could spend the day at the range with any one person or group of people, uh, be it they still alive or dead or fictional, who would it be and why? That's an interesting question, man. I've gotten to shoot with a lot of really interesting people and people with a lot of talent and um, everything. I mean, man, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one, man. Um. Jeez. You know, I've always been, my dad was a huge Civil War buff 
right? You know, he's just huge. So we had books on it in the shelves like crazy. He's like I said, he was an educator. And I've always had the, and the I'm not a guy that does civil into civil war reenactments or any of that stuff. Yeah, but yeah. That would be so cool to just, you know, shoot with a couple of those guys and see how they feel their weapon and how they index it and load yeah. and all that stuff. I think that'd be cool, man. I think that's my choice. I would like to sit down and talk to him about the tactics that they yeah. used. Yeah. It's like, how does this make sense? Standing so, in a line. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's taking there's one for the team. Yeah, they had some sharpshooters, man, back then. They, they did. Just, yeah, they did, but they should have had more. They should have all been sharpshooters, and yeah, be a lot more of them alive. Oh, interesting. So, any any particular Civil War person that you would like, Ulysses S. Grant uh, or Stonewall Jackson, or you more of the Yankee side of things? Well, just because I grew up, <laughs> just because I grew up in the North, man. No. I don't know. We, you know, uh, I'm not a southerner like you, but uh, but like I spent most of my adult life in the West. You know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I I was big on and back in the day, not only on Civil War stuff, but like Daniel Boone and the Alamo, Texas Alamo, and all that. I'm stuff. supposedly uh, related to Daniel Boone. Are you really? Yeah. That, that's Lucky. what I was told growing up. I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. But you don't buy it. I don't buy it, but. <laughs> We'll see. You don't probably want to, don't want to do a twenty three and me, but uh, um, to find it out. But yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. That would be- so um, that's it. I got one more that I want to add, and I forgot to add this one. Yeah. Do- uh, yeah. What conspiracy theory? Which conspiracy theory would you most like to see confirmed or debunked? So, you know, having a, a TS. SCI clearance, you know, full scope poly, all that stuff, man. I've gotten to see a lot of stuff that I can't talk about. What? Um, Come on. (laughs) So you know about UFOs. (laughs) I'm sure Mike Baker's worse, you know, Um, not just some technology that I ordinarily wouldn't believe exists, but, um, you know, just uh, geopolitical stuff, man, that is really just like, holy cow, like I didn't know. uh, But you know, that's, you know, I'd be in jail if I, if I talked about any of that stuff. So I won't go there, but, um, I, I firmly believe, and this isn't part of my, um, my scope, uh, or stuff I've been privy to that, uh, the whole COVID thing is an attempt by China to find a pathway on a lesser, um, uh, virus for a lethal one right to use as a weapon i I, in fact knowing what i know Mm -hmm. right as a human being what what everything i've experienced common sense yeah life experience right that it is in a genius way right because it's not going to kill enough people that it becomes a a political football but it's going to kill enough to be like okay well we found the right inroads into the human body and now we attach it to um population control right the, a virus that we could it, it's the same thing that we did to the japanese right like yeah. hey drop a couple bombs and now all of a sudden we have them you know by the balls right? or that we did to the indians um in sterilizing their women sure 
Sure. But if you think about a superpower like China. And I say having, we, I didn't having, do that. The, yeah. The government. So they could, they could drop it into any city and watch it spread, right? And then watch it die out and then effect, effectively have, you know, a negotiation tool or, you know, what have you. Because, um, you know, I've been in Africa enough to know the threat of Ebola and Marburg virus and the way that spread was too fast, right? Everybody would essentially internally hemorrhage. Mm-hmm. I out too fast that it would spread too fast to affect too fast, too violent. Right. So if you get something that's paced out, um, you know, so, and I'll, if I, if I end up dead in the next couple of months, you know why, right. (laughs) (laughs) But that, that's my, that's my theory, man, is I think that it's always been a bioweapon. But you think Um, it's China that's, that's directly behind it. You don't think it's a a collaboration with world governments? I'm not going to go there just because I'm attached to, to I so got much you. I got stuff. You. Okay. I, I think that, it's fun to speculate, like you said. It's, yeah, but I, I think that China really knows what they're doing here, um, and I think that they, yeah, that, that it's it's the way to go. I think it's the way to go. You know. Yeah. If you if you were looking to uh, exert your will um, on the world on, on the world, so to speak. Yeah. So. But at the same time, it could be used against them as well because. <laughs> We know what yes, it is now, and we know how to. And I'm sure we've got our own versions as well that that we don't talk about. Yeah, but if you have over a billion people, you can stand to lose a few, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's why I was thinking more population control than you know than a. You know, I I know that's a theory, um, and it could be intertwined there. I'm like I said, I'm not going to comment on that on my on my um, yeah, personal yeah. belief. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Yeah. Oh, hey, before we get into that, Lefty, let's uh, make sure we announce the winner of that contest. You have. Oh yeah, good, good thinking, good idea. Because yeah, because they, our, they want to fast forward to the end and try to find who the winner is, so that they're not going to know right. where to. Where I'm, yep. I'm sneaky that way. All right, so leadheads, I want to first thank everybody for taking part in the the giveaway, uh, especially our listeners. Um, but this contest being what it is, we we did contact the winner. Uh, so, because I mean, we had like I don't know, two hundred something thousand people enter this thing, just a crazy amount of people, and we appreciate all the participation in the sport from you leadheads. And keep in mind, we will have more giveaways throughout the year. So, if you didn't win this one, there will be other opportunities. So, don't be mad. Keep listening to the show. Don't send me hate mail. <laughs> it's automated. This whole thing is automated. Uh, although we did find some cheaters. You know, some of these people have these ways to enter these contests. They got like bots or something, and they can get like buku of thousands of entries in it. Uh, dead giveaway, by the way, because I think the most you could get on this was somewhere around, I don't know, it's under a thousand. So uh, it was pretty much a dead giveaway for those that had like a hundred thousand entries or something like that. They were automatically <laughs> kicked out of the system. Uh, but the winner is, drum roll please, ladies and gentlemen. You know what, Andrew? I think I'm going to torture him just a little bit more. I'll do a little segment. So if you live on the eastern part of the United States, so we still got a lot of people that are eligible. So the eastern part of the United States, I guess it would be considered more north northeastern section 
So that narrows it down a little bit more. Pennsylvania. So we got the state. Everybody's going, oh, oh. Pittsburgh. He's in the Pittsburgh area. And the winner is, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm not going to give the last name, just for privacy reasons, Andrew H. You are the winner. Congratulations. Awesome prize package there from IWI with the Galil. Lockdown with all the cool stuff that they've got with the puck and the uh, the high to shelf flatline Fabrico with the dump pouch and the sling. Mission First Tactical with the magazines, the holster, the backpack, Seal One with the complete gun care kit, and Enforce with that awesome weapon light. So there you go. That's our winner. Uh, but like I said, don't be mad. We're going to have other ones. We're celebrating 10 years. You know we're going to give away some awesome stuff this year. So there you go. When I said Andrew, you kind of perked up a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I didn't even enter that thing. How did I win? <laughs> no, it's a lot of gear, man. It's, it sounds like an awesome, awesome win. So. Oh, and you you know, you're talking about AKs, Galils are yeah. like, oh, yeah. are like yeah. the the most awesome knockoff of an AK that you can get. Australia's <laughs> do a good job, man. Yeah, and IWI, uh, sponsors of the show, Jeremy Gresham over there, thank you so much for putting that up and making this possible. And, of course, all the other companies, uh, Dwight, Ronell, Chad, Tom, um, all you guys, thank you so much. And Dave, of course, Dave Edelman at Mission First Tactical, Tactical is awesome. Colby is awesome over there. He's the one who put together the, the Gleam. I don't know. That's the engine that runs those giveaways. Uh, they were behind all that and made that possible. So thank you guys for that. All right, man. Let's let's talk training. Let's talk yeah. about let's talk about you, forward movement training. And you know, yeah, we're you big on that. Hear, Go ahead. I was gonna say you might actually hear because I've got an instructor in the other room teaching um, on this laser shooting simulator. Okay. Of which we're going to SHOT Show uh, explicitly to upgrade our simulator. So we'll be going from a simulator that's a, uh, uh, you know, 13-foot by 8-foot screen um, that uses uh, blowback weapons, right? It's with an IR laser barrel for target hits and uh, registry. Um, We are going to go to a 180-degree screen, uh, which – is going to have peripheral targets, you uh-huh. know, and movement on your peripheral you'll have to address. So essentially three screens uh, angled uh, and uh, be using um, a simulator that has thousands of uh, not only skill building drills, but scenarios, live scenarios with an expert production value, right? That looks physically like you're in a movie yeah. so when you address those or when you um, when you uh, take a shot on somebody, there's not a cut scene, right? It doesn't look like it's slides. Yeah. It's fluid movement. Um, but we are also going to incorporate haptic vests, meaning when you do get shot, you'll feel it. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Uh, yeah. I did this simulator uh, earlier this year. I went to a, um, a FLIOA conference, Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association, mm-hmm. Uh, conference there in uh, Rhode Island, and there was this company that had a simulator there. But it was one of those virtual simulators where you've got the the goggles on, so it's a you know fully immersed three hundred and sixty, 
you know, kind of deal. And I got to tell you, man, it was it was eerily real. Really? I actually, when I put it on, I thought I might just be seeing what's in front of me because I looked over to the left and it felt like I was still in the room that I was in. Yeah. Even though it wasn't, you know, it was a, it was a virtual simulation. But uh, the advances that these simulators have made and are continue to make is just mind blowing. And yeah, and I'm really I, I really dig them. I think they're they're necessary, and you know they're an asset to training. It you know it, it accompanies your real training. I'm not saying it's a replacement. It never will be a replacement for the real thing. Um, but it definitely is um, a useful tool to stay, you know, tuned and honed and and build up to the real life thing without the expenditure and you know, yeah, you know, possibly injury and things like that. Now we've got an outdoor range, but we don't have an indoor range. And I think one of the reasons why that works for us is because our, and we've heard this from civilians, that when I mentioned the Californians coming here, a lot of them want to be able to, to shoot and, and have a permit for a gun ownership, mm-hmm. uh, which is something they haven't been able to do in their state. Uh, so when they come here um, and we put them on the simulator, it's real enough that when they go for their ECCW permit, right, which is, has reciprocity in Idaho in like 30 some odd states mm-hmm. uh, right around where we're at, including out by you as well. Um, we, um, we put them on the, the laser simulator. They go to ECCW and they've never touched a gun before. And I said, what was that like for you? They're like, man, it was not much different. And I love hearing that. Hmm. That means that we can put somebody in a safe environment that's never touched a gun, get them used to that recoil, that weight, uh, moving that gun around, uh, you know, side, side alignment, side picture, yeah. grip, breathing, stance, all that stuff, and get them so used to using it that when they physically fire a real gun, they're like, man, it wasn't much of a transition. And I love that, right? Because yeah. it's this nice, easy way of introducing firearms ownership and usage to somebody that has no idea. Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you know, and plus it gives somebody an idea of, without actually going in and these real life scenarios that, that these simulators put people in that, that they wouldn't normally think about is like, Oh, you know, I don't think I could really handle that in real life. I don't think this is for me or this is what I've got to prepare for. And I need to train even harder. Yeah. Kind of thing. So I think it, it really, it's a good first step to set the mentality of a, of a new gun owner as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we want to introduce stress in, in finite amounts, right? Yeah. If, if somebody's a seasoned operator, they want that level of stress because it's manageable to them, right? Sure. Law enforcement, et cetera, et cetera. But somebody that's new, we can start to ramp up that stress, increase the volume on the simulator to where it like, you know, with our surround sound system, it has that that noise of, of an actual gun report. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, the haptic vests have peripheral uh, threats that they'll have to address and obviously like change their stance and, you know, face the new danger. So, um, you know, we introduced that little bit at a time, man. And people that have never touched a gun, that probably even didn't like guns at one point, they get it. Right. And they're all about, um, you know, increasing their exposure to firearms and, and really embracing it. Right. Um, and that's, that's our goal with civilians, you know, um, we do have, um, as a training company, we do have um, some really advanced shooters uh, of the non-military and non-law enforcement variety. 
And we do put them through some really exciting classes because what really does it for them is the experience, right? And I'm talking about like doing uh, counter assault team stuff from a, a vehicle, like mobile shooting from a vehicle. Will they ever use that stuff? And I've gotten criticized for it on social media. Like, how is that applicable? And I'm like, it's applicable because it's an experience. And these guys have already been through multiple advanced right. rifle courses. They get bored with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Transitioning and reloading and all that stuff. I mean, that's great. But give me an experience that I will never, ever get to try, right? Night vision goggle, um, uh, carbine at night, uh, you know, live fire stuff. Uh, like I said, counter assault team stuff, moving fire, vehicle. Team yeah. fire team tactics, moving as a team, you know, and communicating with one another. They love that stuff, right? And we teach it to law enforcement and military. So why wouldn't we teach it to civilians that are business owners and have had, you know, concealed carry permits for a decade and we know who these guys are they've been through multiple safety classes you know why wouldn't we teach tactics like that to those guys yeah so that's our our high end um and then we've got everybody in between as well that come to some of the classes that we have that where we do medical like stop the bleed um we'll do a situational awareness courses of course is a big one nowadays um we've got an army psychologist that teaches warrior mindset because that really is a um a thought process necessary, right, to own a gun and to repel a threat and to deal with our the environment that you and I and the rest of America lives in nowadays, right, where yeah. somebody's going to see what you have and take what you got unless you can defend it. So, so what are you guys doing as far as the training goes? I noticed that, um, that you're a proponent for uh, training teachers in schools and, you know, some of these um, – uh, no carry zone kind of areas I, w- I would I would call them. Um, what are you guys offering in those those lines for training? So uh, my predecessor, the one that ended up going out west to California, probably one of the only people that's actually gone into California lately um, to work with Bedros and some of the guys in that um, state. Um, before he left, he, I was fortunate enough that he worked hand in hand with the Idaho Board of Education to develop a uh, version of Run, Hide, Fight. The teachers, unfortunately, didn't like the name Run, Hide, Fight because it sounds violent, right? They wanted something that sounded... <laughs> it is. Uh, I know. We're on the same page there, man. I know. But they wanted something that um, sounded a little bit more palpable. So uh, Move, Secure, Defend is what they conceived. And it just was a version of Run, Hide, Fight that they could sell to educators a lot more because sure. they wanted educators to have options. Like we all do, right? In, yeah. a, in a school shoot, in a potential school shooting. Um, so that's big uh, in this state, um, and we actually have a better time pushing that same concept to not just private schools with better funding, and they're more receptive to this type of training, but also to churches. In wake of the Texas church shooting, mm-hmm. I think was it last year? Yeah, churches are big on having security teams and being insulated from harm in that respect, but also the private businesses, right? That just don't want that liability like they did at the Inland Regional Complex in San Bernardino uh, when that place was attacked by two terrorists. Um, there was, you know, a couple... And they were terrorists. Yeah, a couple hundred million dollars of liability lawsuits. Hey, you never gave us the tools we needed to, you know, <laughs> feel safe. It's because your laws prevent it, you idiots. Yeah, exactly. Come on. So a lot of companies here don't want that 
liability lawsuit. They don't want to be on the hook for that, and they want procedure and policy. Here's a newsflash. You're going to get sued no matter what. So it's yeah. better to train and have people that can defend themselves uh, is my theory on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the company, um, you know, uh, like I said, is kind of it's, it's brick and mortar. So it's it's relegated to uh, the region. Uh, but we certainly travel to instruct um, other law enforcement outfits or, or federal agencies or uh, units uh, outside our our borders, uh, just not yeah. too far outside our borders. But um, give me a give me a run through of, let's say you're training a church uh, or, or, you know, whatever. We'll use a church okay. as an example um, of the curriculum that you would go through for, for training that. Are you teaching them to identify threats and then how to, how to deal with them once they identify them, deescalate maybe or before you know, it goes to the, the throwdown? Absolutely. Maybe not as aggressive as you see in the Texas situation, but if somebody enters the church proper with a gun, you know, they're going to, and they're, um, wielding it, they're going to get shot. But we do, uh, everything from situational awareness, which is a threat identification, behavior profiling, which is a big one, picking up cues of stuff that doesn't look right, uh, to, um, you know, a site assessment, right? Because a lot of sites, you can drive your truck right through the front door in some of these because they didn't. When it came to planning, they never thought that out. Yeah. And what an easy way to breach, you know, um, and and squirt into a church is to you know drive your truck right through the big glass ornate front doors and yeah, cause mayhem and havoc there. So um, you know, and we also work hand in hand here with a, a surveillance company that installs cameras and. Uh, you know, all kinds of detection equipment so that if that's what they uh, want for their uh, location, they can, you know, we can implement that as part of the package. So, yeah, the the whole security team stuff, hey, that's great. Um, but, you know, we don't want these guys to be SWAT operators. We just want these guys to have options if if stuff goes sideways. And yeah. the luck, luckily for a lot of churches, you know, there's a lot of military veterans and a lot of current and former law enforcement agents working for them. Oh, so absolutely. A, and there, you know, there's, there's a lot of people willing to, to provide that you know, for, you know, for their community because they're part of that church, you know, they're willing yeah. to, to be a part of that team. So, uh, you know, m money wise, I'm sure other than the security system and stuff like that, they're not looking at a whole lot, you know, to be able right. to, to staff something like that. But, um, but you guys will go in and you'll install security uh, cameras and things like that too. You do that as well. Yep. Yep. Um, we, um, we just give them a lot of options, you know, that the, usually the proposals are like an a la carte proposal and they can kind of pick and choose what they think works from them from a budgetary standpoint, or they can, you know, if they want the full package, they can get it. I mean, we've trained an organization here named mission aviation fellowship, which actually does global, disaster relief um, because they've got a fleet of planes um, and they're worried about being a target just because they have that yeah. um, that name, you know, Absolutely. and they do it all over the world, even in some, you know, Muslim countries as a Christian organization. Yeah. And they wanted the full meal deal. You know, they wanted the, the security team to be able to clear rooms and, and, you know, protect and respond to, you know, great threats. And, and we, you know, we obliged. Very so, cool. Yeah, man. So the, this, simulator that you guys use mm -hmm. um, 
currently you're talking about upgrading it uh, possibly. Yeah. Um, I assume that's a third party. That's not something that you designed. No, that's, that's, yeah, of course. I mean, there's technology out there that's, that's outstanding and we'd probably go with the virtual stuff if, if it, if we didn't think that it, it wouldn't be as relevant as a, their own hand touching and, and manipulating a weapon, you know, that's where uh, mm-hmm. wa- watching it is one thing, right? Well, but this, actually, this one allowed you to use your own gun. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's technology, man. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty wild. I'll, I'll see if I've got the info for the dude and maybe you can yeah, see him for sure. shot right. show yeah, or something. Yeah, we're, we're, um, a USCCA partner, um, USCCA, um, obviously, um, being a really big proponent and kind of stepping into that vacuum that the NRA used to occupy, um, that's now become a, a less, uh, driving force, right. In, in gun rights, but USCCA also does, um, conceal carry, uh, which is in their name, conceal carry insurance. Sure. So if there is an incident where, you know, you, sh- you ask, you shoot somebody in self-defense, you've got attorneys at the ready, but they also do, uh, course curriculums and all kinds of stuff. So the one we're looking at is called TI and TI and USCCA are partners now. So we're kind of pushing, um, that company as a simulator provider, but we're also looking at SHOT Show at Vertra, which we used to have. We used to have a Vertra 100 here. Um, and we're also looking at other um, options like Milo and Gunfighter SES. I mean, they all have the same uh, general setup, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 180-degree screens, uh, blowback uh, weapons, you know, with they use green gas like Airsoft, but have a, uh, you know, an IR laser. And, and uh, yeah, um, just got to evaluate and pick what's best for us. Do you guys have like a shoot house set up there? We do. Uh, we have a shoot house for non-lethal. Um, in fact, it was used yesterday. We've used it uh, from everything from UTM rounds to simunitions to airsoft. Mm-hmm. It depends what the agency comes in with. Um, the McCall guys that came in, McCall City Police Department came in yesterday, and they have really nice airsoft weapons, which are cheaper and you know easier to manipulate and, sure. and less money to, to maintain. So we use their soft in accordance with them. And then some agencies like our um, uh, Idaho Department of Corrections, they use simunitions. They'll come in with simunition weapons and, and train in the shoot house and the surrounding area with, with, with those. So Yeah. I really yeah. I really like the UTM stuff. Yeah. Just not cheap. No, know, it's, it's not. not. It's, it's definitely not cheap. Um, but uh, it's effective. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's agency preference, right? Yeah. Whatever the agency wants to use. And, you know, we do encourage um, using something they're comfortable using, but, you know, we'll make suggestions for sure. So, so. if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way uh, for the uh, forward movement training? Uh, and I'm sure if people just have questions, are you cool if they contact you for just yeah, absolutely. general type yeah, uh, self-defense? and Yeah. Yeah. We do, we do it all, man. We're, you know, full spectrum and um, we're actually branching into a lot more medical. You know, we, we, we do stop the bleed and, and uh, tactical combat. Casualty so much well. more practical skill, life skill to have than, yeah. than anything. Yeah. But now we're, we're even doing, um, you know, Thames and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, EMT training and, you know, all that stuff that corporate generally wants to do for uh, their folks if they've got um, 
a need for it. And um, forwardmovementtraining.com is the website. Uh, and um, and there's all the other options that they can, you know, that they can pick from there and kind of look to see what uh, courses we offer. And like I said, a lot of this stuff is not just firearms based, <clears throat> but it is also, um, you know, based in, in um, uh, realistic uh, detection training, like situational awareness or uh, behavior profiling or um, active shooter uh, type stuff, you know, basically stuff that's left to bang and not um, stuff that's right to bang, which is whatever the sexy stuff is, right, that you and I talk about all the time, like <laughs> responding to a threat with your gun and, and you know, and, and putting the, the, the shooter down. I mean, right. that's relevant, but we want people to have options. Yeah. And the protective security, do you do the training for that or do you offer protective uh, security? We do both. Um, we've had some high profile clients and, and um, uh, you know, people that have been in the news recently and, and want um, their loved ones uh, to have, you know, a finite amount of protection, um, you know, either, you know, a few weeks or a few months or, you know, better part of a year. And, uh, you know, I got enough guys in my Rolodex that have, you know, great backgrounds for that. Uh, you know, either federal law enforcement, uh, SWAT team guys, guys that left uh, special operations units that um, that's right up their alley. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll field teams for that if it's, if it, upon request for sure. Gotcha. And that's the stuff that's outside the Idaho border that we've done for sure that, um, are on, um, you know, short-term contracts. Sure. Um, and you will travel for like an agency or something like that outside of the, yep. the state of Idaho. Yep. And what if, uh, let's say a church, you know, wanted to get in touch with you that was in Tennessee, uh, would they need to come to you or would you be able to come to them? To do well, be able to come to them for sure um it depends on what their needs are and, and you know how deep they want to go in this but uh, yeah. we, we've you know we've flown guys all over the country for this and okay. um you know churches find us man it's uh, it's something that we've always done and, and oh, absolutely uh, and i know we've got a lot of uh, church goers that listen uh, to the show as well uh realtors i, I noticed that you've got uh, a program yeah. for for realtor yep. safety i used to be a, a real estate agent um so you know you in know real estate what, uh, for 20 years yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You get some weirdos, man. There's some freaks yep. out there, definitely. Yep. Uh, and you hear about, you know, you hear about the, the tragic stories all the time about somebody scheduling an appointment for a real estate agent. And they'll get some newbie to come out to bum BFE to show them a house and, you know, they end up raping, killing or, you know. Yeah, because realtors are chasing that dollar right now. There's so many of them they're competing for, just, for that dollar. It's just so, so cutthroat, yeah. Them. Yep. Yeah, they'll do a, sh sh a showing at night at uh, the drop of a hat. Got to do yeah. that. Got to do that background check, no matter no matter what. Meet them at the office first. Do some assessment. You bet. Yep, definitely. Very cool. So uh, I'm on your website here. This is the ForwardMoveItTraining.com. Uh, you watching the video? You guys go here. You can get in touch with them. What are the membership options? What What's that all about? So we have folks that want to be able to come in um, and take a certain number of classes a month to stay sharp. And we'll make all kinds of offerings to, to um, allow them to do that. So whether it's uh, lifestyle carry courses where, hey, I just want to carry an EDC and I want to be able to deploy it against a threat, um, you know, while I'm at college or in the park or what have you to, like I said, all the way up to somebody that wants to really run and gun with their um, AR and they want to be able to, you know, to do some high speed 
uh, courses because they've exhausted the uh, the advanced rifle. Um, you know, take a step to the right, take a step to the left, and mm-hmm. you know, shoot the target. So um, that just give membership options give them uh, you know the ability to kind of come in one, two, three, and four times a month, and you know, get time on the simulator, get time on some of our regular classes. We also give them discounts. Um, we have discounts for everything from primary weapon systems to right on optics to um, ammunition uh, to all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of perks uh, with, with the membership besides just taking classes. So, memberships has its advantages. <laughs> yep. So let's take a couple of questions here from our les- listeners. Uh, Brett Bedow wants to know. What are some nonverbal indications that someone is seemingly intent on doing violence that you would share on the podcast? Good, good question, Brett. Good question. There are a lot of those, um, and we teach that ubiquitously because we we want everybody to use those cues and indicators uh, that something is wrong before it happens, right? We want you to get off the X before you even really need to get off the X, right? And and keep you and your family and your loved ones and coworkers safe. So when we talk about that, we talk about being able to pick up cues as uh, to, to pre, what we call pre-threat indicators. And a lot of those are based on changes in your environment. So for example, uh, you walk into a, a coffee shop and it's the same every day and things look the same generally. There's just different players in the mix. And then one day you walk in and you know there's nobody saying anything and it's really quiet inside and people are just kind of like not conversing well that's a pretty big anomaly right Right. to your baseline and that anomaly is an indicator uh, of an event that is either in process going to happen or has already happened and you need to make some decisions based on that we can talk everything from human behavior right a guy under at a restaurant tapping his leg, right? That's one cue. Well, I keep an eye on that guy. It doesn't mean he's a threat. He might be yeah. dealing with stress in his life, but all of a sudden, if I tap my leg happens, all the time. I just got that. Yeah, see, I me just, too. I'm doing it right now. I just do it, yeah. But if this same guy decides that, you know, he's going to be yelling at his kids or his wife and, and maybe he's making overt gestures, well, now you've got a cluster of cues and an action needs to be taken, right? Whether it's alerting somebody um, maybe calling 911 if you feel the threat is ever present or too real, or maybe even telling the management of the establishment, hey, this these this guy's, you know, time he could bomb. potentially be violent. Yeah, yeah, he's a time bomb. Yeah. Great, great question. Great lessons to learn. Um, like I said, we teach that stuff all the time because we want people picking up on this kind of stuff way in advance of, of an active shooter event or something happening. So Mustang Perry asks, what are some of the biggest benefits or drawbacks of simulator training? So I say the biggest benefit, like I said, is that transition into live fire. It, it just is a nice, smooth transition in live fire. You can bring on the, uh, the, um, the stress level, right? Which you'd experience out of the range from, you know, blowback to, you know, the gases leaving, escaping the gun to the sound of the round, um, leaving the barrel um, and mimic that here at in our shop under a very austere um, or not not austere sorry antiseptic environment you know warm safe uh, you're not picking up shell casings or dealing with the heat and the cold like you would out in the environment or dealing with loud uh, noises from an enclosed environment like in an indoor range 
So I'd say that's the best one. The, the, I'd say one of the biggest drawbacks to a simulator is actually manipulating that weapon. So when we start people on the simulator, we get them drawn from the holster right away, right? Because we want to be able to integrate that into the system. Um, the thing they cannot do on a simulator is reload rounds, right? You know what it's like reloading your mag, mm-hmm. unloading your mag, all that stuff. Your fingers get all raw doing that. And we've all done that out the range, uh, loading <laughs> ARs and, and 1911s and yeah. know, all kinds of stuff. So um, it just doesn't have that that feel. Yeah. Next question is from Doc Dow 64 what is the most underrated aspect of training or readiness? Oh, man. Another, another really good question. Um, everybody automatically assumes that, uh, you know, if you're at the range and you're standing static on your target and you're in isosceles and you address that threat, that's the way every single scenario will unfold. Um the reason we love our shoot house here and the reason we push uh, civilians into the shoot house here, we even amplify the sound of like crying babies and couples arguing and barking dogs and police sirens. And then we darken, dim the lights and put, you know, police strobes in is to, is to ramp up that stress level yeah. and realize that by and large, you will probably be in close proximity with somebody that's trying to hurt or kill you. And nobody's prepared for that. Nobody's prepared for that violence of action, right? Because the brain software isn't updated. It has to realize something bad is happening and you've got to respond immediately. And I think that is exactly what we offer um, in our training is be able to shoot, you know, offhanded, right? Potentially using your uh, support hand, your primary hand, because or maybe one hand is hurt or down or using the other one to fight off an attacker uh, to create that distance, create that space, use the barrel as a blunt force object, um, you know, on the face or the sternum to, to, you know, get them off you, then tap rack in that gun, bring it back into battery and then using it as an offensive weapon if you need to keep um, you know, defending yourself in any type of situation. So um, that stuff is disregarded, man. You know, everybody thinks because they can hit a pumpkin or a TV at 25 <laughs> yards, yeah. you know, they're going to be able to put down a threat. And man, when we people, when we put people through the rigors at forward movement training under those stress levels, and boy, do we ever, um, it reveals a lot of training scars, you know, stuff that we really try to refine and work on and, and get people extremely lethal in any given situation, anybody can put a gun in a purse, right? And take it to Walmart. But yeah. what happens when stuff goes down? Can you access that weapon? Can you shoot uh, offhanded? Can you shoot, you know, off balance? All kinds of stuff. Like can that. you shoot so, stressed? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Great when question. When you get the tunnel vision, question. you know, that's, that's what it boils down to. And that's why it's so important that if you've never taken a, a defensive gun class, whether it be pistol or rifle or whatever it may be, if you've never yep. put your body in that stress situation to where you get the tunnel vision, then when it happens, you're going to freeze and you're not going to know what to do. So you have to you have to experience. You have to get get your body used to that. So when it does happen, you know how to react. And you know that's one of the you know we've got this segment called Facts to Fight the Myth on on the show. We didn't do one today, but this will be my fact Facts to Fight the Myth is you know I didn't know how dead I would have been. You know, when I first got into carrying, you know, a handgun, he was like, I've shot guns all my life. I know how to defend myself. And until I took that first defensive handgun course and I put my body through that stress 
you know, to where I was getting the dental, the tunnel vision where you've got all this noise and distractions and everything going on, you know, other than trying to focus on the, you know, the actual threat, how, how dead I would have been or someone else would have been. And, 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 and that also is the determining factor on whether you decide that caring is right for you because it's not for everybody. It's a right that everybody has, but is it right for you? And mm-hmm. until you put your body in, in that situation, that stress situation, you're not going to know physically, mentally, or morally whether you're, you're going to be able to, to go through with defending yourself, defending loved ones, de- defending innocent people. Um, so I highly recommend that whether it's through uh, Andrew here with force movement training or you've got a local uh, you know, training outfit where you live, or many of the many other trainers that we've had on the show, get in touch with me. I'll help you find one. But um, if if you've never taken one, you need to take one because you you it, not only for yourself but for the people around you. It's it's something that is important and it's part of your responsibility as a gun owner that that you must do. Definitely. Instead of going out and buying that next gotta have, wanna have, nineteen eleven or AR or AK. Just take the one you've got and and spend the money on a course. That that's my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew, it's been great having you on the show, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, Leadheads, thank you for the questions. I apologize for not making the post sooner and clearer on who our guest was and what we we're going to be talking about. But uh, I think we're going to have you back on again. I, I think uh, our listeners are going to enjoy this. They're going to want more. So we look forward to having you back on the show again sometime, Andrew. I love it, brother. And hit me up if you're going to SHOT Show, so we'll link up at some point. I will. I will. I just I really don't think it's going to be for me this year. But uh, you never know. I may pop in. But if I do, it's going to be low-key. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Sounds uh, good. Definitely. So, Leadheads, um, go show Andrew some love. Go to his website for the uh, forwardmovementtraining.com and then for his books – the um give the website for that again a failed state a failed state.com and then on the grams it's is it just that at a failed state or is it underscore or anything like that Uh, it's underscore uh a failed state novel with all underscores and it's in audible um if somebody wants to listen to it in the car uh and ebook and hard signed hardcover i'd be glad to send somebody out a a signed hardcover copy anywhere in the in the U.S. So, you want to uh, give one of our our listeners uh, an autographed copy of that that did a question today? Yeah, I'd love that. You want to do that? Let's yeah. let's reward one of our listeners with an autographed copy of of uh, your book, A Failed State. Uh, which question did you like the best? And I'll that, that's who's going to win. Uh, I like the uh, the last one, man. I thought the last one was solid. Uh, which one was that? When we were talking about, you know. What are some of the aspects of, no, that's the simulator. It was, um, what is the most underrated aspect of training? Yes. Okay. Doc Dow 64. Doc Dow 64. Uh, You are the winner. So shoot me an email, talkingletgmail.com, and I'll forward your information on to Andrew, and uh, he'll get you that book. So thanks for, for offering that, man. We like to reward our listeners here. So Perfect. Very cool. That'll work. And again, a big congratulations to Andrew H. in Pittsburgh, PA, the winner of our um, 
holiday giveaway that we had. Um, appreciate everyone's participation in that again, and we will do more. So stay tuned. And we have been in touch with Andrew. So, Andrew, you don't have to get in touch with me. That's one of the rules on this show, um, Andrew, is that if you win something, I don't contact you. You have to send me the email, listen to the show. That's how you find out if you win. All right, go show all our sponsors some love, Leadheads. Keltech, keltechweapons.com. They will be at SHOT Show as far as I know. I haven't heard any differently. But uh, Keltech is back with us for another season. Mission First Tactical. Go to missionfirsttactical.com. Use the code LEADHEAD. Get 20% off anything at Mission First Tactical. That's their magazines, their holsters, their dump trays, anything that they've got there. Their accessories, AR accessories. Hopefully they'll get into the AK stuff here pretty soon. Seal One. Go to sealone.com. Use the code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 25% off any of their cleaning products at Seal One. And Factory 47, that's where you're going to get the Talking Lead AK Corner t-shirts and hoodies and our mugs, which I don't have one here, but all that you can get at Factory 47. Our classic standard Talking Lead logoed items, you go to 1776united.com and you use the code Talking Lead. You're going to get 20% off anything at 1776united, uh, including our Talking Lead apparel that we have there. IWIUS, again, big thanks to Jeremy at IWI. They're coming back for sponsors of the show for the AK Corner. And we've got a new presenting sponsor, Andrew, for our AK Corner, which we will announce. I'm keeping it a secret until our first episode on who our new presenting sponsor of the AK Corner is. But you, right. guys, you guys will be pleasantly pleased. So, Leadheads, go and show all our sponsors some love. Let them know how much you appreciate them making this show possible each and every week and sometimes more uh, and then all the other cool stuff that we do and until then as always lead heads keep your loved ones close keep your firearms closer and train like you fight i like that that's a yeah man. that's a good outro we nailed it <laughs>